The science has changed. No, the politics has changed, and the people are rising up. As we say on this show, the citizen is rising. Empower them and encourage them to fight back against these mask mandates. The Charlie Kirk Show, weekdays at noon on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Brian Kilmeade. Entertaining and informative. If these truck drivers bring real life to them, express their outrage, you can't just ruin people's lives, destroy the mental and emotional health of kids, and go ahead and go about your life. We understand that you're living a double life that you're forcing us to go through. Brian Kilmeade. Weekdays 10 to noon after Bernie and Sid in the morning. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Red Apple Media is proud to celebrate 100 years as one of America's most influential radio stations and New York's first. WABC. And WLIRFM Hampton Bays. From around the world to around the block, this is a WABC 77 second news update. Good morning, I'm Deborah Valentine. Proof of consumer pain under the Biden administration. The U.S. Labor Department reports inflation hit a 40-year high in January at 7.5% year-over-year as the Federal Reserve plans to counter with rate hikes later this year. Six out of ten Americans polled told a new CNN poll they disapprove of the job President Biden is doing. 58% of those polled disapprove of the job and only 41% of respondents approved. Speculation that failed Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton may make a third run for the White House. She's got a big speech planned for next week in New York City, February 17th. Next Thursday, she's scheduled to address the state's Democratic nomination convention. That's your 77-second WABC News update. I'm Deborah Valentine. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, our highs 54, light winds to 14 miles per hour. Right now, 35 degrees, clear skies at 6.02. Traffic and transit next, where the news never stops, at WABCRadio.com. It's Ramsey Mazda's Sundays with Sinatra, with your host, Joe Piscopo. This Sunday night, starting at 6. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. It's witchcraft. Yet I get a kick out of you. It's Ramsey Mazda's Sundays with Sinatra. This Sunday night, starting at 6. With me, Joe Piscopo. On W. Host Nerdly, a.k.a. James Golden. Anytime a Republican nominee comes up, look at what they did to Gorsuch, look at what they did to Kavanaugh. The last thing the Democrats do is offer respect to Republican nominees. They trash them, they vilify them, they lie, they smear them. It is always a vicious, ugly, knockout, drag-down fight. Host Nerdly, a.k.a. James Golden. Weekdays at 4 p.m. on 77 WABC. Hey, Ted. Well, it's not looking too good in the city right now. we got two lanes blocked in the Bronx on the southbound side of the Deegan Expressway. Fordham Road, some stop traffic all the way back to exit 11. We also have some stop traffic on the Harlem River Drive on the southbound side between 2nd Avenue and the Willis Avenue Bridge. Over to Brooklyn, there's two lanes blocked on the westbound side of the BQE on... Uh, 
uh, the westbound side after exit 24, some stop traffic back all the way up to the Gowanus Canal. Well, that disabled truck on the inbound George Washington Bridge earlier is now cleared away uh, on the up, outbound upper level. We got some roadwork blocking the right lane to the ramp to the Palisades until about 2.30 this afternoon. That has since some stop and go traffic on both sides of Route 1. Also in Union, we got some construction on I-78 on the eastbound side between exit 52 and 56. All lanes are closed intermittently until about 6 a.m., which should be right now. All the bridges and tunnels on both sides looking pretty good. Otherwise, over the island, you got two lanes closed on the eastbound Sunrise Highway between Buffalo Avenue and Wysom due to construction. Some slow traffic on parts of the westbound side of the LIE. Over to Hudson Valley and Highland on US 44 between Tilson Avenue and Van Wagner Road. Both sides are closed due to a water main break that happened overnight. Also in Putnam, we've got an accident blocking the shoulder on the southbound side of the Taconic State Parkway before Highway 301. No baggage transit delays at the moment. Alternate side parking rules are in effect today. I'm Frank Diaz with traffic for 77 WABC. Hey, I give Biden some credit for at least verbalizing that he is against defunding the police, but make no mistake about it. Democrats have already lost the fighting crime issue. Dominic Carter, weeknights at midnight, just before every other side of midnight. Talk Radio 77 WABC. We are New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Hot Radio On your Super Bowl 56 weekend, yes, big game coming up Sunday night between the Rams and the Bengals. We've got all the news you need right here today. On top of that, mind you, we had a bunch of big NBA trades that went down last night, including the Brooklyn Nets, who have been awful, awful, to say the least. Have they now lost nine straight? Is that right? Ten. Ten straight. Ten straight. Wow. They are the worst team in the NBA by far right now. (laughs) Unbelievable with the three Hall of Famers on the roster. Here's a stat for you. Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving, the big three, only ended up playing 16 games together. Now, just to show you how great they could have been, their record in those 16 games was 13 and 3. 13 and 3. 
but they never played. And now James Harden will be playing his home games in the city of brotherly hate. Him and uh, Joel. That's yes, a pretty good duo. That's a pretty good duo. And Ben Simmons, who's got talent. He's a jerk-off, but he's got talent, 25 years old, on his way to the Nets to join up with Kevin Durant and, of course, Kyrie Irving. We've got all that and more on this Friday morning. Justin, good morning. How are you, pal? I'm good. I'm good. I can't complain. It is Friday, and uh, listen, it's technically the weekend, and that's fine. I, I'm, I'm a big proponent, though, of adding an extra day to the weekend. Yeah, I agree with I you. I think it's way too short. Right. Four days is enough. Four-day work weeks are enough. With on, Which, honestly, this day and age, with the laziness that has now ensued because yeah. of the pandemic and people yeah. just wanting to stay home, I could see that happening within the next 10 to 15 oh, years. There's no doubt about it. Americans don't want to work. Get the Howard Stern deal. You get to work three days a week and make a billion dollars. That's how good he is. I'll take it. Yeah. Oh, he's no good. He's, a, he, he's really good. Three days a week, a billion dollars. But we'll take our deal. We, uh, we love this show. We love this station. We love Bernard. Bernie is uh, still in Sloan Kettering. It's day two of his chemotherapy treatment this morning. And uh, he'll be back with us on Monday. I think he goes home tonight. He'll rest up with his beautiful family, watch the Super Bowl Sunday night, and then he'll be back with us on uh, on Monday morning. The great Bernard McGurk. So for today, in his stead, I've got Justin Ellick. What's his kid's name? Philip, right? Bill. No, to my right is Kevin Perez. Oh, Kevin Perez. That's so he'll right. be filling in for uh, He's Luke. a good kid. He's a nice kid. Yeah, he's yeah. a great kid. Uh, who, who, is, is there a Philip that comes here then? Or? Yeah, there is a Philip. Uh, yeah. if I'm he wears the Ranger jersey a lot, right? Yeah, but yeah. he's got a long Russian Dimitrovsky. He's Russian? Like that. I didn't even know that. Dimitrovsky? Okay. That's yes. what it is. Dimitrovsky. Yeah. Okay. He's not here, so who cares? So it's Kevin, Justin. You got Frankie Diaz with an E, otherwise known as Muzzy. Uh, Michael Garcia, Deb Valentine, and Gabby Lopez. Gabby running the controls at WABCRadio.tv, where you can watch this show every morning. We're simulcast like a television show. Right now, somewhere in the Fox Channel 5 studios, my dear friend Rosanna Scotto is watching me. I can promise you that. And Rosanna almost came on this morning, but she's got a very busy day, Valentine's Day coming up. But our boss, well, he's your boss. He's my friend. He's the boss to all of you guys, but he's my friend. That's John Katsimatidis. He will join us coming up at 7 o'clock this morning. And he was on with Rosanna Scotto yesterday on Channel 5, and he was great. It was so great that I had to put him on our show today. And he'll talk about uh, these people walking into stores and busting the place up and stealing stuff, supply chain shortage, inflation, all the things that are destroying all these cities across America. Now, I will tell you, not to blow smoke up uh, my friend John's butt, but uh, me and Danielle, we shop five, six times a week. Even Ava now. Ava goes at night. She loves ice cream, my daughter. She's about to go to college. So almost every night about 9 o'clock, she goes to Gristidi's to buy Klondike bars. She goes to like five a night. It's unbelievable. Those are delicious. Deli- but she's in great shape. God bless her. So uh, now all three of us, me, Danielle, and Ava, frequent the Gristidi's on the Upper West Side. And, and for some reason, they are never short on supplies. So I'm not sure if that's a credit to John and Margot or my friend Joe Parisi. I don't know who gets the credit for that. We'll talk to John coming up at 7 o'clock. But inflation was the big story last night. Joe Biden was actually on NBC with Lester Holt. Joe Biden is the president, or as Bernard likes to call him, the imbecile in charge, which um, I'm not going to use because uh, that's Bernie stuff. 
And I don't steal Bernie stuff. Right. you got to come up with your own. Do you have any ideas? No, I don't care. I, I think it's actually disrespectful to call the president by names like that. So I'll let Bernie do that. Okay. I disrespect everybody else. Right. Exactly. <laughs> call this person bad. Say, you, this you, person ugly. Yeah, you don't really have standards. <laughs> in no, regard, but please in give me a break. I'm the biggest hypocrite that ever lived. A hypocrite with a capital H. But I draw the line at uh, some of the more powerful officers in the country. I'll let Bernie do that. Like, I never call Kamala Harris a bimbo. She is. She slept her way to the top. We know that. She had to bang the mayor of San Francisco to get the job. There she is. But I wouldn't do that. So, But Bernie does it, and I love it. It, it gets me um, aroused, to be honest. So Biden was on with Lester Holt last night. Let's, let's listen to some of this stuff. First of all, this was not Lester. I guess this was, uh, was this even yesterday? He's talking about historic inflation. Says, I don't know why the prices move. When was that? I believe it was yesterday. It seemed to be at some sort of speaking function. Oh, okay. So here's Joe Biden. Just when you thought maybe he can fix the problem, he has no idea why it's even happening. Joe Biden, five. But the fact is that if we are able to do the things I'm talking about here, it'll bring down the cost for average families. Bring down the cost for average families. I don't know why they keep moving all that, but the fact is they keep down the cost for average families. Yeah, whatever. Uh, so the big issue, of course, is gas prices. Bernard told us last week that he uh, fills up his tank of gas. I forgot what kind of car he's got, but it's 100 bucks. Uh, Danielle fills up her car. She drives a Porsche, and uh, but the you know the SUV, the family style, and it's like uh, 90-something dollars. Well, Bernie strikes me as the kind of guy who would drive a big rig. He's got a truck. It's yeah, not, a it's, big it's, rig. It's not a big rig, but he's got some type of uh, truck, you know. Yeah. Like the Hasinu drive, right, except like without a, the dents. Like a Ford F-150. There you have it. Perfect. So uh, Biden was talking yesterday about getting gas prices down. It sounded like this. Number two. I'm going to work like the devil to bring gas prices down, which I'm going to work in to make sure that we keep strengthening the supply chains to bring the cost of energy and everything else and the goods that come to America down. So he's going to try to get the gas prices down. Was that his? Uh, is that what he's trying to say there? Yeah, he said he's going to work like the devil. Like the devil, yeah. Well, he's going to need the devil. Well, trust me. Yeah, apparently the devil doesn't work at all if he's been working uh, like I the devil not. this whole time. So. so he was on, as I mentioned, with Lester Holt on NBC last night. Lester is one of those 3, 6, 30 p.m. guys. You know, you get David Muir, uh, good-looking guy, nice hair. He's on Channel 7. Is Nora O'Donnell still on Channel 2? She's still there, right? I don't I think they're going to so. replace her. Yeah, I think yeah. she's still there. Well, Lester's on Channel 4, has been there for a very long time since he replaced Lion Brian Williams. And uh, he's no good either, Lester Holt. He is agenda-driven. He's like Chuck Todd and all of them. And I love Chuck Todd. And Biden here talks about uh, inflation. And I guess, um, I guess Lester Holt, this is unbelievable, called Biden to the carpet about inflation and, you know, when Joe Biden goes on these networks with these hosts, he feels like I'm in a safe place, right? Like NBC, they're not going to kill me. They did it to Trump. That's what Savannah Guthrie does to Donald Trump. They're going to be nice to me. But Lester Holt did call Joe Biden to the carpet with inflation, and Biden got pissed off. I think it was back in July you said inflation was going to be temporary. I think a lot of Americans are wondering what your definition of temporary is. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're being a wise guy with me oh. a little bit. Uh, I understand that's your job. But look, uh, at the time, what happened was the uh, – let's look at the reason for the inflation. Well said. The reason for the inflation is the huh? Huh? supply chains How are we doing were here? cut off. 
meaning that the products, yeah, for going. example, automobiles. Is this going well? The not, lack not of well computer well. chips to be able to build those automobiles yeah. so they still. could function, they need those computer yeah. chips. They were not better. available. So what happens? Right. The number of cars reduced, new cars reduced, made up with one point one third cost of inflation because the price of automobiles. Is he still talking? So what I did when I went out and made sure we started to make those domestic. God, stop it, please. What? In Jesus' name, he's not even my God. What was that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You're being a real wise guy. It was like that static on the television. (laughs) But he was right. It's like you told us it was to be temporary. What does that mean? Is temporary the rest of our lives? Oh, you're a real wise guy. And then he just goes on. And I I don't know. Here's um, Pete Buttigieg, who last I heard was still changing his kid's diaper. That's become his job. I thought he was supposed to be transportation secretary. And look, he's had a kid. God bless him. No one loves kids more than me. Nobody. I love my two children uh, as much as anybody loves their kids. Avon Gabriel. Love my kids. I get it. Being a good father, to me, that's as good as it gets. Uh, but this guy has not gone to work in, like, I don't know how long. And he's talking about lowering gra- uh, gas prices. Here's Pete Buttigieg. Uh, the administration has been acting aggressively in several ways, uh, including the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, also diplomatic efforts, knowing, of course, that uh, gas prices are a function of oil prices that are set globally, and ensuring that when and if there is any evidence of gouging or market manipulation, that's, that's acted on aggressively. We also know, of course, that we can act to bring down prices across a family's budget, which is one of the reasons why the president has put forward measures that will reduce kitchen table costs ah. on everything from insulin Ooh. to electric vehicles and everything in between. And we continue to be hopeful yeah. of congressional action to make that a reality. See, he's a good talker, this guy. Like, he didn't say anything there. And I certainly want to hear about electric cars. My God, what a waste that is. But he's a good talker. I could see why people feel like, at least on the Democrat side, if Michelle Obama doesn't jump in, he's got a legitimate chance to win there. You know, Hillary Clinton, they announced yesterday, is going to speak at the New York Democrat Convention, as if that's good news for them. Finally, get her out is right, Trump. Glenn Youngkin, who defeated Terry McAuliffe in the gubernatorial race in the great state of Virginia, he explained yesterday why inflation has become a runaway issue. Here's Youngkin in Virginia. First of all, we do have runaway inflation. And it's just completely uh, driven by a lack of discipline in our federal spending. And to see inflation at seven, raise 7% last year, and there's expectations that it'll be at least another 6% this year, uh, it's just running away from us. And we're seeing it on a, on a, at the ground uh, level across Virginia. Grocery prices going up, housing prices going up, service prices going up. Virginians are really frustrated with this. And, and so I don't think this is going to play well no. for the president in, in Virginia. As we're working to get ex- costs down, we're, work, we're working to cut taxes, eliminate our grocery tax, double our standard deduction, have a very large tax rebate, exclude $40,000 of our veterans' retirement benefits from being taxed, and, oh, by the way, suspend the most increase in our gas tax. Yeah. We have got to get prices down. The one thing I can do is get taxes down. And uh, I really wish Washington would do a much better job of understanding the dynamics of supply and demand. Inflation, 7.5% has not been this high since uh, my favorite president ever, Ronald Reagan. Although Trump is right there, was president of the United States. That is a great opening segment. Uh, Nice job, Justin. You were very, very good there. I'm not sure what you did, but you were great. 
Uh, well, sometimes I just tend to open up my mouth and things come out. So that's uh, how that works. It's about the grossest thing I've ever heard at this time of the morning in a long you think time. So? Yeah, very, yeah. very gross. Yeah. I think I kind of meant to do that. I know what you meant to do. 905 Patty Domango, hot bench judge, live in studio. Patricia, love her. 840, we will talk to. Um, Who's coming on at 8.40? Somebody, oh, uh, Rudy Giuliani. Yes. Rudy, the mayor, coming on at 8.40. At uh, 7.40, we'll talk to Joseph Aboud. This is still Fashion Week in New York City. And um, although it's not like it used to be before COVID, it's still a very, very big deal. I've been invited to about 20 events the last two days by models and all kinds of people. Aboud coming up at 7.40. 7.05, the man himself, John Katsimatidis, who once again was great with my friend Rosanna Scotto on Channel 5 yesterday. But coming up next, in my estimation, which is all that matters, my opinion, he's one of the really great talk radio hosts we've got in New York today. He really is. He knows, he understands the business. He knows what he's doing. He doesn't just repeat what everybody else does, which too many people on this station do. It's just, it's just, it's like one show for eight hours. He's showing almost as much chest as uh, you are. I know. I'm not sure why he's doing that. He's got hair. He's got like a, a beauty mark. He's kind of pale. It's very appealing. He's a cute kid, though. I'll give him that. Frank Morano will join don't us on the Burning Edge show. You don't have to button. You look very handsome. Frank's going to join us next. We got a great Friday show for you. Keep it right here. Bernie and Sid, Talk Radio 77, WABC. Right now on 77 WABC, stay informed with Bernie and Sid in the morning. Then at noon, it's Charlie Kirk from 1 to 3 p.m. It's Greg Kelly on 77 WABC. Twenty-six on your Friday morning. Frank Rano is showing me the New York Post today, page 11. He's, That's right. He's girding his sirloins. Gristini's boss, John Katsimatidis, vows more security after high-stake theft. He posted a couple of days ago. Thank you, Frank. Holding it up for Gabby Lopez. Had the uh, the cover of the guy that stole 10 stakes. And that was, I guess, the motivation, inspiration behind John's appearance with my friend Rosanna Scotto on Channel 5 yesterday. And John will join us Coming up at 7 o'clock this morning. But it is the host of The Other Side of Midnight. He's a very entertaining guy. Very smart guy. Much smarter than me. Frank Morano. Frank, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. Happy Friday. TGIF. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Eve, Eve. I saw on my Facebook page about uh, three days ago. I like mm. the memories. I like the memory thing. Same. And a picture popped up. Uh, it was me, you, and Bernie. Oh. And it was on Jill Vitale's page. <laughs> and it said, and I quote, Look how nice they actually do like each other. <laughs> well, that's true. We that do. was the old address. That's true. Yeah, I remember that day. That was. I fun. remember it too, and uh, yes. we do like each other quite a bit. I'm a big, big fan of yours. Likewise, you got Likewise. a big weekend coming up. You got uh, uh, Bernie and I had uh, Steve Sharippa on the show last week. Of course, uh, aka Bobby Bacala, the mm-hmm. Sopranos. Him and Michael Imperioli, Christopher. 
They take their show on the road, and they'll be on Staten Island coming up tomorrow night. So I'm going to St. George Theater. I'm looking forward to it. I heard Steve Sharippa on this show. He was terrific. And then um, you got a copy of the book, Talking Sopranos, which is based on the podcast. I asked you back in November if I could borrow it when yeah. you were done. You said yes. I yeah. never got it back. No. Uh, so my wife got it for me for Christmas. <laughs> That's and, very uh, nice. I've been reading it, and it's delightful. I'm looking forward to the podcast. Rachel's uh, I listen lady. to it all the time. It's great. Is, is it a good podcast? It really yeah. is. It okay. really is. It, okay. You know, she had never seen The Sopranos. So we just went back, and I watched the, the all the episodes for the first time since it was on. She watched it for the first time. And so it's great listening to this podcast, having just seen all the episodes, because they review each episode uh, through the podcast, and they have different actors on, different directors. And you always learn so, all sorts of things. Like the character Little Carmine, not my son, but Carmine right. Lupitazzi, right. is based on George W. Bush. No now, kidding. how are you going to know that Never. unless you're listening to this podcast? Oh, that's great. It's huh? really cool stuff like that. That is great. Yeah, including really actual dialogue from Bush they assigned to Little Carmine. Do they actually play George Bush saying things to make the comparison? No, or, that, that no. they don't do. But, okay. you know, they point out how Little Carmine's wearing cowboy boots yeah. while he's saying all these Bush-like quotes. This and, is 43, really, not 41, right? Uh, correct. 43. 43. Yeah, That's pretty cool. W. There you have yeah. it. Steve Schripper tomorrow night on Staten Island. Then, of course, you you got the game on Sunday. And then, uh, like my family, my family's all from Brooklyn, all of them. But every one of them made a couple of bucks and moved out to either Manalapan, English Town, Marlboro, that Jersey area. Yeah, and it's the right. same thing with your, your that, family that, That's right. My uh, In Staten Island, almost every first-generation Staten Islander moves to either Marlboro or Manalapan. <laughs> if you're Jewish, usually you move to Marlboro. If you're right. a Gentile, you move to Manalapan. That is so that's funny. So I'm going to go see my friend Brian Silverstein, who's a big fan of yours. Uh, cool. He and Very his Jewish. wife, Katie, on Saturday. Oh, so. Brian and Katie, I love those right. people. All right, yeah. so you got a great weekend ahead of you. Let's Absolutely. get to... Uh, some of the stuff that's happening here this weekend. What are you up, doing for the game, by the way? I'm coming to your house. Oh, you're welcome to. Yeah, I'd love it. I can't wait. Uh, I don't know. My wife is taking Ava to the airport because Ava's going to London for 13 days. Uh, so it's just going to be me and Gabriel. Uh, I have a feeling it's just going to be him and I in my living room in the city just watching the game. Okay. That's it. Well, it's yeah. fun. I can quiet. think of worse ways to uh, yeah, no, spend quiet. a Sunday night. Next year. Especially when, when you have move. to be up at 4, 4 exactly. in the morning. Well, then we'll make a Super Bowl party next year. But you're right. I'm up at 345, actually. Yeah. Um, let's talk about this weekend here at WABC. Mm. When I first came here back in 2016, and they started me and Bernie doing middays after I missed. He was still alive. He was still doing mornings. The, um, well, he was we, still doing mornings. Yeah, he barely was alive. That's a good point. Yeah. That's very funny, Frank. So we started in January of 2016, and in April of 2016, three months later, I had to go to San Francisco because Danielle ran the Big Sur Marathon, and they had to get somebody to fill in for me because when I'm not there, they usually get a co-host for Bernie. And long story short, the co-host was Anthony Weiner. And uh, then when Bernie would go away, Anthony every once in a while would sit in with me. And I remember he'd be sitting in a cubicle on his phone, blah, blah, blah. But I never really thought about it until what happened happened. And I guess Anthony Weiner is making his return to WABC tomorrow, uh, right versus left against Curtis Sliwa. I need your thoughts on that. Well, I have mixed feelings. And there's a big ad in the New York Post today about this. And, you know, look, if you go up and down our lineup, right, every one of us, except for Bo Snerdly, has some sort of a scandal. Right, right. right. Uh, so oh, but, but Bo has one, too. It just has to come out. Yet. Well, okay, fair enough, right? <laughs> but so what John has done, what John Katzmatidis has done, I think is kind of brilliant. Like It's almost like 
like uh, Al Davis or the uh, uh, the Raiders. Uh, you know, I was, was going to say George Steinbrenner. Right, well, same, right. same. Daryl Strawberry, yeah. Dwight Gooding, you, Steve Howe. You get all these guys who have a lot of talent, and you get them for less than you can. And I don't need to go through everybody's scandals, but a Google search of any of us <laughs> will reveal uh, right. it's all sorts of stuff that's yeah. out there. Stay away from mine. I'm begging you. Uh, same, long. same. Don't dig too deep. Uh, but so, uh, so with Wiener, you know, he is a smart guy. I do like putting non-conservatives on the air to try and, you know, broaden the outreach of the station. So do I. So do he's quick-witted. He's, he's, he's pretty humorous, actually. Yeah. Um, and I think, even though he went to federal prison, once you pay your debt to society, folks should kind of, all right, you know, let's move on. Let's accept it. Agreed. The thing with Wiener that gives me some pause is messing around with children. Right. That, right. Um, people the, don't people don't have any patience for that. If you steal money, if you um, yeah, do drugs, right. assault someone. Right. Well, um, you can't hit a woman. Uh, yeah. Well, you hit a woman. You, you mess with a kid. That's where people start to say, I don't know if I want to give this guy another chance. So th- that first photo that he sent to that busty brunette of uh, and who knows if it was the first, but that busty brunette that he sent the photo when he was clearly aroused, when his son is yeah. sleeping. next that, to him. That was the killer. I found that pretty creepy. That was but the killer. then. Then what what he ended up going to prison for, you know, sending obscene text messages to a 15 year old girl. Look, I I don't care how uh, sexually frustrated you might be. Your wife's out of town. Um, Once I hear a girl's 15, you got to stay away. uh, Every alarm in the world should go off. Now, now you may not know that initially she may come on. How old are you? I'm 29. Right. But But he found out she was 15. He knew it. That's the difficulty. Um, You know, I don't know how he didn't delete his Twitter and every (laughs) form of social media back in 2011 when he had to resign the first time. Right. Clearly, the guy has an affliction. He's got issues, yeah. But what bothered me between 2011, his resignation, and the time he went to prison is that the guy showed very little humility, right? He had no problem when he was on the air with you and Curtis and everybody else sitting in judgment of everybody. Everybody. Trump, yeah. Rudy Giuliani. Oh, listen, he's, a, uh, he's a very smart Michael guy. Michael Grimm. But he's a condescending prick. I'm yeah. telling you that right now. He's a smart and – and I like him. But I would say after it's a Bernie, I would go, I understand he's the smartest guy in the room. But does he have to remind us of that every couple of minutes? I said that same thing uh, on the air. He wants you to know that he's smarter than you. Right. That's the thing. Which he is. Fantastic. Uh, well, he's not smart enough to not sext with 15-year-olds, apparently. <laughs> but uh, here's why I am going to listen tomorrow, right? Uh, I cannot wait to hear. It's not so much Curtis. I cannot wait to hear what the callers are going to do to this guy. Well, they got to pick up. That's why it is absolutely mandatory because they couldn't agree more that they do take phone calls. Oh, they will. And if they, they don't, you're going to lose some of the luster. No, they will. As tough as Curtis is, he's not going to kill him. Right. But I'm with you. But Jennifer I, in Boston will kill right, him. Right, kill him. Uh, Russell in White Plains I want to hear him. him. Yeah, I want to hear it. These guys are going to take him to the woodshed. And I can't wait to hear how he responds. Me That's too. kind of the uh, sick thrill. And ultimately, I'm a free speech guy, and it's going to be the listeners who decide whether this show is successful. If Agreed. a lot of people listen, Agreed. you know how driven our management is by the numbers, right? So yes. if he gets a lot of people listening, uh, then the show's going to do well, and they're going to keep him. And if he doesn't, if the people vote with their radios and, and turn the dial, then the show won't last. So I'm I'm all for trying new and interesting things. And think of what this could lead to. Maybe a show with disgraced former Governor Andrew Cuomo on the left and disgraced former city councilman Dennis Halloran 
on the right. That'd be great. Uh, a show with uh, disgraced former Attorney General Eric <laughs> Schneiderman on the left, disgraced former Senate Majority Leader Dean Skelos on the right. right? Love it. Uh, disgraced former uh, Governor Elliot Spitzer on the left, disgraced former City Councilman Dennis Gallagher on on the right. You just never know. That was really impressive that you came up with six different names, yeah, three well, on the left uh, and three on the right. That see, that's what impressed me just now. Yeah, and I think only you can do that. Well, I don't know. It's very impressive. Uh, you know, when it comes to New York, it's a shorter list of politicians that aren't corrupt. <laughs> that's true. You're right. Every one of them seems to be. So uh, that'll be fun tomorrow, folks. Check it out. Anthony Weiner versus Curtis Sliwa, only right here on uh, 77 WABC. One more quickly. Uh, you know Nicole Maliotakis very, very well. Very well. Yes. Max Rose, the whole thing. Bill de Blasio jumping into the mix, running for Congress. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, race? look, so uh, we don't know for sure that he's running yet, but it definitely looks like he wants to run. And the person that gets hurt by this the most, I think, is Max Rose. One, because he's keeping Max Rose from raising money right now. Right now, he should be able to go to donors all around the country and says this is one of the uh, top-tier races that's a competitive general election. The other thing is, if this gerrymander sticks, and I know Ed Cox and others have a lawsuit to try and stop it, then it's a very Democratic district in the primary. Max Rose does not fare well in a primary against Bill de Blasio. I think Nicole's best hope, actually... Could be de Blasio being the Democratic nominee. Wow. So as a Nicole fan and as somebody that's represented by her, and I think she's done a good job, and, and I know that I, I thought she did the right thing even on infrastructure and a, b- a bunch of other things. As a Nicole fan, I think in some ways de Blasio jumping into this race is the best thing for her. If you look at the videos and the fundraising appeals she's been putting out, it's, um, it, you know, it's all about beating Bill de Blasio. That being said, this gerrymandering is just horrible, uh, and it's a situation where, whether it's Democrats doing it or Republicans, where politicians are choosing their voters instead of the other way around. Needs to end in every state. Who wins on Sunday night? Uh, I'm going to go with the Rams. Me too. I like the Rams too. Uh, people love the Bengals. Joe Burrow, great story. So it people is a great love the story. underdog. Absolutely. But the Rams are the better team. Yeah, so. I mean, I love it for the Cincinnati fans. They've waited so long. Oh, at the Cincinnati fans. My memory of... Uh, <laughs> Of uh, Buddy Harrelson and Pete Rose fighting at second base with the Cincinnati Reds. I'm a big Met fan. I never forgave Pete Rose and the Reds for that. That's Cincinnati. So after Bengals. And they got Boomer Esiason as part of that mix. And and Boomer and I haven't exactly had a great relationship. So You're both in that great Craig Carton documentary. Yes, we are. Which I show to everybody. It's really, really quite good. It's a good piece, yes. Hey, uh, you're really quite good. So thank you for stopping by this morning. Uh, We'll be listening, of course. At uh, 1 o'clock on uh, Monday morning. Monday Enjoy morning. Your weekend. Enjoy Steve Sharippa, the Super Bowl, all that good stuff. I love you. I think you're great. Thank, Thank you. you. I, uh, likewise. Mutual admiration. Thank you. That's the great Frank Morano, folks. Check him out, of course, uh, every weeknight right here into the weekday mornings on WABC. He's really good. Traffic and sports are coming up next, but right now it is time for the 77 WABC clip of the day. Listen to Dominic Carter. He's on right before Frank weeknights at midnight. Here, Dominic talks Al Sharpton and Eric Adams. Sharpton says, and listen to this, folks, you cannot have a culture where people are just at random robbing and stealing. I'm glad that Sharpton said what he said, because Sharpton just gave the mayor of New York City cover, political cover, to do what is necessary. And what is necessary is to free the NYPD to make this city safe again. I say it night after night after night. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out this problem and what is the necessary solution. This is Sid on Sports. Oh my goodness. 
sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Well, a big day for the NBA yesterday. As we talked about yesterday morning, it did happen. We talked about the Nets possibly trading one of their three major superstars, James Harden, to the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Nets did it. The 76ers get James Harden. They also picked up Paul Millsap along the way. Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, and Andre Drummond, along with two first-round picks, on their way to Brooklyn. They only played 16 games together, Durant, Irving, and Harden. They did go 13-3, and but the Nets are having a miserable year this year. Right now, mired in a 10-game losing streak. Eight seed in the East had to make a move. Here's Brooklyn Nets head coach Steve Nash after the Harden trade last night. Well, I haven't seen any of the guys yet, so I can't speak for them. They're a resilient group, though. They've been great through a tough period for us. So, you know, I think these guys know what the, you know, that side of the league is like and can be difficult. So I'm sure they'll handle it as well as possible. And now for us, we just look forward and get excited about what the next chapter looks like and where we go from here. The Knickerbockers also struggling to not make any moves last night, but they came up with a huge win, a shocking victory. They beat the best team in the NBA, the Golden State Warriors, 116-114. to 114. Knicks try to keep it rolling tomorrow night in Portland against the Trailblazers. Congratulations to Green Bay Packer quarterback, maybe soon to be Denver Bronco quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, on winning his fourth NFL MVP, the only player ever to win more MVPs than Aaron Rodgers. Quarterback Peyton Manning, he won five of them. Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, Super Bowl 50. The Rams right now a four-point favorite over the Bengals. Remember Odell Beckham, the great wide receiver for the Giants? Very vaguely, very vaguely. He's actually playing this week. He's on the Rams. Here's Odell Beckham on Sunday's game. It just felt right in my heart, and it felt right in my gut, and it felt like other things I was trying to make work, and this was the one that was calling me. It's kind of still a little all like surreal and, you know, mind-blowing. Like, yeah, like we really are here. And, you know, now the ultimate focus is one game. Just got to finish the job. There you have it. Odell Beckham Jr., now a Los Angeles Ram. Sports brought to you by my dear friend Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Check them out today and every day. PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. They do build America's best boilers with sports. I'm Sid. Stay entertained and informed now with Bernie and Sid in the morning. Then tonight, it's the great one. Mark Levin at 6. This is the great scandal. On 77 WABC. Put your hair back We get to leave Eleven gallows On your sleeve Shallow figured Winners paid Eleven shadows Way out of place have any major plans for this game Sunday night. You know, I covered so many Super Bowls during my career when I was for a long time exclusively sports. And of course, I decided to start to include politics 
on my sports shows, much to the chagrin of every program director I had down in Miami, every one of them, from Joe Bell at WQAM, he's now in Philadelphia, Howard Davis, 790 the ticket, I think he's out of the business, uh, even Steve Lapa, who was a genius and is a big, big deal in radio today. He was my boss at 640. Even he initially yelled at me, what are you doing? I told you this story a million times. The Dolphins are playing the Patriots on Sunday. Joe Rose is talking to Wes Welker. Why are you talking about Mitt Romney? He said, because nobody cares about Wes Welker, Steve. What do you mean? You want a sports show in Miami. I don't get it. I told you this. When you go into an Italian restaurant, you don't order egg foo young. I'm like, listen, I want my show to be more like BJ's, Sam's Club, Costco. Come in, you get to buy everything. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you get the samples. That's exactly right. The free samples. I don't want to be an Italian restaurant. I want to be something for everybody, whether it's politics, sports, movies, entertainment. I want to take Howard Stern and Don Imus and all these guys to the next level. Well, uh, I don't know if you can make that happen here. So, okay. I'll tell you what, Steve. You give me a chance. Give me three to six months. If the ratings aren't good, and even more important than ratings, if the revenue isn't good, then you can fire me. Bring in somebody else. Bring in Orlando Wilder, Gary for the Miami Herald or whatever his name is, and he can talk Dolphins and Hurricanes and Miami Heat up the ass all day. He said, fine, I'll give you that. And what do you think happened? Nothing good. No, all good. They loved it. They loved it. And that really is what paved the way for me to get the job here, uh, thanks to Chad Lopez and, and those folks at WABC. So, but for many years, I covered all these Super Bowls. I think I've been to 16. I was trying to count it last night with Danielle. I think I've been to 16. Not that I went to 16 games. What I would do is I would arrive at the Super Bowl site on a Sunday, and I would do my shows from Radio Row, sometimes three days, sometimes five, and I'd usually leave Saturday the day before, come home and watch the Super Bowl with Danielle and my family. Uh, The only games I actually went to were the Giant game, I went to the Rams and Titans, Atlanta, 2000. That was an unbelievable game. You may remember that was uh, the first Kurt Warner Super Bowl win. And he threw a touchdown pass to Isaac Bruce in the fourth quarter. And the Titans came uh, right back. The late, great Steve McNair, who was murdered by his girlfriend, was the quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. Eddie George was his big-time running back. And they're trying to tie the game late. And Steve McNair throws a pass to wide receiver Kevin Dyson, Dyson is on his way into the end zone to tie the game, and Rams linebacker Mike A. Jones tackled Kevin Dyson inside the one, and the clock ran out. It was an amazing game, and that was a fun weekend in Atlanta because at the time, uh, it was me and Scott Kaplan. We were working for uh, CBS Sportsline, which is now CBS.com. We had just done a major deal with Sean McManus and the powers that be at CBS, and the stock that we own, went through the roof. And all the guys I worked with, Mike Levy, Ross Levinson, Mark Mariani, they became multimillionaires. And then we merged with a brand-new company back then called MVP.com, which was owned by Michael Jordan and Wayne Gretzky, I think Shaq, I forget. We made all these major announcements that weekend in Atlanta. And um, it was a terrible weekend weather-wise. Ice cold, freezing rain. It was a brutal couple of days but uh, the game was great, and that was one of the games I actually went to. I do remember getting into a fight. I was very drunk. 
<laughs> one of the uh, days we were there, and we were got back then. Went out. We went out every night. Every night we do the show. Tuesday we're out. Wednesday we're out. Back then they had Maxim. The magazine had a great Super Bowl party. Playboy had a great Super Bowl party. There were always these great parties. And I got hammered one night, and uh, I remember getting into a fight with Stuart Scott, who has since died oh, yeah, yeah. from cancer. This, yeah. can't, this can't be good. It, it was terrible. And Stuart had something with his eye. Do you remember? Yeah, of course. And I'm like, are you going to look at me, bitch, or what? And oh, I was like, oh, oh my, it was so bad. Bro. And the guy who actually broke up the fight was Tony Siragusa, former Baltimore Raven. He lives in New Jersey. And um, it was really bad. And then years later, Stuart and I laughed about it. Again, he tragically passed away. But long story, that was uh, my history. I would go to all these sites, do three or four shows, and go out every night, and it was a blast. Just an absolute blast. And uh, we did one, me and Bernie together, a couple years ago in Atlanta. Ironically, it was the Rams and the Patriots, but it was different. It wasn't like the, uh, the rock and roll days of me and Scott Kaplan or me and Craig Carton. Me and Craig did one Super Bowl together. We went to Tampa together. And it just so happened to be the Giants when they got blown out by the Baltimore Ravens back in 2000. Uh, not like it with Bernie. Bernie went to bed early, did the shows, and came home. And actually, my wife and my son met me in Atlanta, uh, the Super Bowl with Bernie, a couple of years ago. They did not meet me. Gabe wasn't even born when uh, I did the first 15 Super Bowls with Scott Coblin. So um, I'm here now. And a lot of my friends, still in the business, in the sports business, are in Los Angeles. And I'm living through them vicariously on Instagram and all those things. Because they're still doing what I used to do years and years ago. But I I will tell you this. As much as I miss some of it, uh, I feel great this morning. I got a big weekend coming up. I'll be here, not flying back from LAX, which is a pain in the ass. So all in all, I think I'm probably happier being here. But I'd be lying if I said to you I didn't miss some of these Super Bowl week action. For me, and I've covered World Series, NBA Finals, Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, Back when Tiger Woods first was great in golf, I covered him in San Francisco at the U.S. Open, in Sahali, Washington at the PGA Championship. I did the Pro Bowl three straight years in Honolulu, Hawaii. That was amazing, amazing. But to me, the week of the Super Bowl was the best. And yet all these big-time radio sports personalities, Mike Francesa, Chris Russo, Dan Patrick, Jim Rome, all these superstars. And yet I would arrive, and they make the biggest deal about me. Oh, there's Sid. Nobody runs. I was the mayor of Radio Row. Nobody did Radio Row like me. Anybody who showed up, Adam Schefter, Pat O'Brien, they had to kiss the ring. They had to come to me, and not Francesa. Not Russo, not Dan Patrick. They had to come to me and kiss the ring. So anyway, it was fun, you know. And now I'm here with you. And yeah, but you don't. Not uh, so much fun. Uh, like, well, <laughs> listen, I'm, t- I'm telling you, you don't want to go. You, you don't want to be in LA this weekend. Oh, no, I don't. It's a nightmare. Totally agree. Not even a little. I mean, it'll take you four hours to get out of the damn airport. airport. You know, I just had this discussion with my beautiful wife, Danielle, last night. She's talking about uh, marijuana laws. It came up out of nowhere. My cousin, John Robbins, down in South Florida, he's like the king of that in uh, in Florida. And uh, Danielle was curious about uh, New York and what's going on. And, you know, to get the licenses, for example, it's very, very expensive. Very. And ironically, George in Garden City, Online 3, wants to talk about just that. Good morning, George. How are you, pal? Hi, Sid. You're not just a pretty face. I talked to you about prostitution. You get a brilliant summary. In fact, Dominic Carter talked about it on the show. Some people from the courthouse called me at night who recognize my voice. Oh. I go back and forth on it. 
I have two things I like to hear you comment. You're pretty intuitive. I'm not trying to brown you up, but you are. Thank you. You know, now it's coming in. It could be laced with stuff like that. Fentanyl. Everybody yes. does it. But my problem with it now is I'm driving. I have a bunch of grandchildren. You have kids. I pull up to a stop, and, you know, you could just, just smoke it in the cars while they're driving. Now, I don't know. Maybe you can get an expert to tell you if they can detect it. You know, if your level of it, if they can, you can be arrested at driving room pad. I'm afraid. Oh, man, of, of course you can. I mean, they can't take your blood at the scene, unlike a liquor where you blow into something, and if you blow a, a certain number, you're drunk, you're going to jail. They, that doesn't work with marijuana. But they can certainly detect whether you're impaired or not. Look, I'm not a big marijuana guy. Uh, everybody knows I'm a recovering addict. I have a long drug and alcohol history. My drug of choice was cocaine. I never liked uh, marijuana. I think I smoked it three or four times my whole life. It makes you stupid. <laughs> I mean, cocaine makes you do stupid things, and you're up all night, but sometimes three, four, five days at a time, and it's a waste of time and money, and it's the evilest drug you'll ever do, the most evil. But marijuana, I, I just don't get it. I don't like that feeling anyway of being you know, high. So not a big fan, but um, everybody does it. And it's, it's legal in New Jersey. It's going to be legal in New York. You can be able to buy it at a store like you buy a newspaper. And um, if you're smart, you get in on it right now because <laughs> whether I like it or you like it, George, it's coming. It's already blown up. Yep. Here's a Bob on Long Island. One more call before John Katz and Matidis on line two. Good morning, Bobby. Hey, good morning, Sydney. How are you? I'm good, uh, buddy. You know, I was thinking, I'm hearing about, you know, obviously you know what's going on in Canada with the truckers, yeah. and there's a U.S. convoy that's forming up. Yep. And the talk is possibly surrounding the big game, deeming the game unplayable before they head to D.C. And, you know, my, my question is, how would you feel if that game doesn't go down because of truckers fighting for freedom? Because, you know, sometimes, Sid, freedom ain't free. No, freedom ain't free, but uh, don't screw up the game. Don't do that. I mean, the Super Bowl is Americana. I know it's watched all over the world. I know we, we the NFL players are a bunch of ingrates. I know that Snoop Dogg is a horrible person, talks about shooting cops. He's performing at halftime. I know Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the National Football League, put the C in coward. I, I'm aware of all that, all of it. I don't like any of it, but I'm a diehard sports fan. The Super Bowl is, like I just said, Americana. Don't mess with it. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. I'm all for freedom. I'm all for protesting. You truckers, God bless all of you. God bless all of you. That is a tough job. That is a very tough job. Leave the game alone. All right, one hour in the books. Frank Morano was terrific. The callers were great. We got a very exciting hour number two with both John Katsimatidis and New York Fashion Week, Joseph Aboud. Hour two of a four-hour Burning and Sit Body Extravaganza coming your way Right after these short messages. We are New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Talk Radio 77. WABC. Don't go changing just to try to please me. You never let me down. And don't imagine You're too familiar 
Folks, go to WABCRadio.com. Frank Sinatra, just the way you look tonight. Register for your chance to win a WABC Barry House Coffee mug. Barry House Coffee, proud to be the official sponsor of us, Bernie and Sid, in the morning here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Register now and good luck. All right, our second guest of the morning doesn't get bigger than this. Of course, he is the host of Cats at Night every weekday at 5 p.m. here on WABC. Also, his great show, The Cats Roundtable, on Sunday mornings. He's my owner. He's my boss. More importantly, he's become, and he'll admit this, a second father to me. That's how close I am with John and Margot Katsimatidis. I love this man. And he's everywhere the last two days. Channel 5, Rosanna Scotto yesterday. Fox News, moments ago, I was watching out of the left uh, eyeball. And now, today's New York Post, page 11, his girding his sirloins. Christidis boss John Katsimatidis vows more security after high-stake theft. With all that said, here he is, my friend John. Mr. Katz, good morning, buddy. How are you? Morning, 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 uh, Sid. Uh, you know, it's all about, you know what it's all about, Sid? Uh, New Yorkers finally reaching the, uh, well, FU level. You know what that means. <laughs> yes. uh, and uh, saying enough is enough. And uh, uh, we have to, uh, to put down our foot and, uh, and say, that's it. Uh, and uh, the politicians in Albany, I believe in uh, common sense Democrats, common sense Republicans. And the common sense Democrats of common sense Republicans have to get together and tell them all. Yep. Tell them all enough is enough. Now, what counts? And I said it yesterday at the press conference we had. Uh, eight and a half million uh, common citizens, uh, citizens of the city of New York, or 3,000 criminals. <laughs> Which side are you on? <laughs> I mean, that's a simple number. Yeah, it's that easy. Yeah, yeah. I, it's that easy. If you took 3,000 criminals off the streets in the city of New York and put them at Rikers Island and threw away the key, I mean, the city would be back to where we uh, were. Listen, street. I agree with you. So then that begs the question, John, because you did the interview on this show. And I'm not just saying it to be nice to you because I do love you, but your interview with Eric Adams was great. But the question is, is Eric, as the mayor, doing enough? Do you feel like Alvin Bragg really is coming around or just just trying to appease people? Do you think Kathy Hochul will do something good at the end of the day? How do you think the politicians are doing right now? Well, I think Eric Adams wants to do the right job. I mean, we have nothing else. Eric Adams wants to do the good job. He talks about like he wants to do a good job, and I'm praying he wants to do a good job. So I'm putting my hope and prayers into him. I mean, we don't want another Bill de Blasio for, for eight years. I mean, uh, uh, the last few years of Bill de Blasio, he didn't do a good job. And, you know, the, the, the crime ran rapid. And uh, if you remember on my interview with Eric Adams, I said, why are we want to spend $7 billion on fencing or whatever the or rails at the, uh, in the subways? Why don't we just put a cop in every subway station right. like we did in the 80s? Why don't we put a cop in every subway station, a cop on every, on every car? And especially with, with the, the telephones working now, uh, they can communicate and no crooks could, could, could go anywhere. You get them. Uh, uh, remember what happened? You know what I said? You remember uh, Texas? Remember the Alamo? Yeah. Well, in New York State, 
what happened in Buffalo? We had a socialist mayor, a socialist candidate for the Democratic Party that won the uh, primary by accident, and she was running, or he was running, I forget who we were, and he was, yeah. Uh, all the senators he went yeah. up there to endorse them. Senator Schumer went up to endorse them. Hildebrand went up to endorse them. I think even uh, uh, the governor went up there to endorse them. And uh, guess what? The common sense Democrats and the common sense Republicans, even Carl Palladino, yes. got together in a coalition and did a write-in campaign for the old mayor who was a Democrat. But he had more common sense than the socialist that was running. And guess what? The impossible happened. Yes. But I don't see those. But I don't see those. The old mayor won. But I don't see those common sense Democrats here. And I have to tell you, John, when I saw you on Channel 5 yesterday and I read the article in today's New York Post, you know this is true. You know that me and Danielle and now Ava, we shop at Christini's on the Upper West Side, the 103rd and Broadway store. We love it there. Uh, And you're going to move out. Is that right? You're leaving there? No, you're going to move out. No, out I'm going to move. Yes, I'm moving out. Yes, but part of the problem why I'm moving out is is not because it was TDs, but because the crime, the filth, the dirt. Now, when I read this morning that your store in Greenwich Village is seeing a fifty percent rise in theft and crime, is that right? Fifty percent. Well, we're going to put our foot down. We hired a lot of security. We hired uh, big retired cops uh, to uh, to. Uh, to sit outside stores and wow. and, and to wow. keep their eyes open <laughs> and, and look, like I say, the tough survive. This is this is a jungle, and what's the law of the jungle? The tough survive. That's right. You know, Rite Aid. Rite Aid is closing a whole bunch of stores. Uh, a, a CVS is closing a whole bunch. Did, did, did of you stores. T- did you tell me yesterday that Rite Aid is actually closing sixty eight stores? Yes. Wow. That was their announcement. Wow, I mean, John, and, it, it, this is uh, this is if this doesn't scare you, I mean, look, thank God, you know, we. I tell we, you we, what scares you. You know who's on our side? Who? Al Sharpton. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm so glad you made that point. It's in today's New York Post column. But you're right. He can't buy toothpaste anymore at his local pharmacy. That's the scariest part of all, John. That's a great point. It's like I said, my biggest disappointment, I know a lot of Democrats. I was a Democrat, said like you were. Uh, and my biggest disappointment in Democrats, the common sense Democrats, and I know they have common sense. They don't have the courage to stand up and say enough is enough. Yeah. Well, I wonder, you, you know, know, from your point of view, because your businesses are here in New York City, right? We're in a, a very nice building here on Third Avenue, but you've got your your your, your supermarkets, Guestides, D'Agostino's, uh, all over the city. You've got buildings here in the city. You and Margo live in the city. You just uh, kind of jokingly said, I'm moving out, but I really am. Uh, what about you, John? I mean, what is it like for you guys to be living in this city with all this going on? Well, Sid, I know how to take care of myself, and... I'm okay. Right. Uh, it's the people, the people that don't know how to take care of themselves, that are scared to walk from Fifth Avenue to Madison Avenue yep. in the dark, yep. that are staying home at night because they're scared to walk the streets. Yep. They're scared to walk in Central Park. They're scared, uh, you know, and, and, and we can't have, the, for whom do the bells toll? Eight and a half million New Yorkers or 3,000 criminals? You know, the next time a politician says 
to you. I want your support. You ask them, are you pro eight and a half million citizens living safely or are you pro 3,000 criminals having their rights? And, and, you know, enough is enough. And, you know, it, it's, it, it, it is only 3,000 of them. The joke I made yesterday that made headlines, that it even made headlines in the London papers, is the fact that New Jersey criminals are coming to New York, you know, stealing from New Yorkers, and they get to go home at night for dinner. Well, no, you, you, it's, it's, a, it's a great if joke. Caught, if, if they get caught, yeah. they still go home for dinner. Well, <laughs> it's true, though. Now, forget about New Jersey, John. If you're in New York and you're in a different borough, if you're in Brooklyn this morning or Queens this morning and you're considering breaking the law, just come to Manhattan. You'll be home, like you said, for dinner. Just come here. That's it. That's it. I mean, listen, I, 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 all I want is New York to survive. We love New York. New York is the greatest city in the world. And why are we letting these 3,000 individuals, these criminals, career criminals, uh, why are we letting them out? Now, Sid, the other thing I said, uh, you know, we used to talk about three strikes and you're out. And I'm talking about crimes involving guns, knives, etc. Yeah. Now, at what point? I mean, we got reports. Uh, this one has 18 arrests. This one has 54 arrests. This one has 30. <laughs> At what point do you say enough is enough? For you? you know, you're not meant to be in the streets of New York. Well, I'm going to say this to you at the risk of upsetting you. And, you know, like I do call you my Go second ahead. father because I love you so much. But I blame. I, I'd rather be your brother. Why uh, are you calling me your father? You're right. You were the same age. You're my brother. But I blame all of this on you. Almost. I blame all of it on you. And I'll tell you why, John. <laughs> <laughs> because because while we need you doing your radio show here, it's a great show, don't get me wrong. While we need you running all your businesses, whether it's oil or Gristides, you should have ran. I know you, you, you let Curtis Sleewa run. I know you let Lee Zeldin and, and Andrew Giuliani run. But when you talk about common sense leadership, that's you. You were our best chance to fix these things in this city, and you decided not to run. So I blame all of this on you. How about that? <laughs> well, you're not wrong. Uh, but I'll tell you, uh, I have 7,000 employees, wow. and uh, they need, you know, for 52 years, they got a paycheck for, for uh, every week for 52 years. And um, my son is in the, in the midst of getting a, a transition where he'll be taking over the company. Wow. Hey, you never know. If I, if I stay young, you never know. It might happen in the future <laughs> after, my son ta- after my son takes over the company. Well, you couldn't find a better guy than Junior to do that. He's a wonderful, wonderful kid. And you're a great, great man. And thank you for hopping on this morning. We'll all be listening uh, later on this uh, afternoon at 5 o'clock and certainly Sunday morning. Thank you for what you've done for WABC and most important. Thank you for what you've done for me, Danielle, Ava, and Gabe. We love you. God bless you, and uh, keep speaking out for the truth. Thank you. You got it, boss. John Katsimatidis right there, and, of course, check him out every weekday at 5. And he does, he does come from a common-sense place. Chuck Scholl sending his best, one of my favorite cops in Brooklyn, to John. They've been friends for a very, very long time. And he does speak from a common-sense place, and that's what we need more of. And we just don't have it. You know, you got... Guys on the right that are just crazy. Guys on the left that are crazy-er. And uh, nobody kind of meets in the middle, you know. Well, I took my jacket off for two seconds just to show my arms because I'm a narcissist. And I'm going to put it back on because now I'm cold. But this morning when I first took my jacket off before 6 a.m. to show off my uh, new shirt, Lover or Lever, 
with the American flag. This is part of that toxic masculinity line that I like. You know, this uh, Jason DeSantis, no relation to Ron down in Florida. Are you going to flex for the uh No, stream? no I'm Why not going to do it. it's stupid. You Come should on. do it. Fine, here you go. Here's one. Oh, my God. So, Muzzy, your Frankie came out before and said, wow, I didn't realize you were that ripped. I knew you had some muscle, but I didn't realize you were that ripped. And uh, Frankie works out every day. He's never going to get to where I am. It's never going to happen. But, you know, keep trying, and it's fine. Uh, yeah, what is it? Bud? I don't work out every day. I work out twice a week. Well, that's why you're not going to get to where I am. I didn't say I didn't plan on getting on. No, but you, 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 you I'm very, also like a big dude. You're, so. You were very complimentary and very nice this morning, and I thank you for that. I, you're, I, you're, you're welcome. Thank you. And uh, so were you, Justin. Well, yeah. I mean, I had to oblige your. You don't have to do anything. You, well, yeah, yeah, but you're taking off your jacket. You're fishing. You know, you were fishing. You're, I wasn't fishing for anything. Yes, you were. I think you're gay, and you're just this uh, mail order Russian girlfriend thing. It's just uh, one big. Uh, you know what's the word they use for the uh, for the guys? A beard. That's all she is. I told you. I told you that in confidence, and now you're ex- <laughs> you're, you're exposing me. I mean, I don't. I don't no, know I shouldn't do is. that. I'm sorry. But what? You know, I could go home right now, between Frank Morano and John Katsimatidis, and all the Biden cuts and the inflation conversation and the Super Bowl conversation. We've already done the best 80 minutes in the history of radio. I can go home right now. No, you can't. Like, oh, Matt Meany's here now. I can't go home. The boss is here, Matt Meany. Uh, no, we can't. We've got a lot of great guests still to come. Joseph Abood coming up at 740. Then at um, 840, we got Rudy Giuliani. How great is that? And then 905 live in studio. This lady is great from, uh, what is it, the hot bench. The judge, Patricia Domango. She's been out with me and Bernie many, many, many times. And she's a real judge and very interesting. Judge Weinberger upstairs, he's going to love this one. So we got three great guests still to come your way. Lydia reports, Beach Sid, all kinds of cool stuff. Friday morning with me, Sid Rosenberg, right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up from the NRIA.net studios in New York. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Friday, it is the beginning of Super Bowl weekend. The game on Sunday has the L.A. Rams versus the Cincinnati Bengals. I think most people are rooting for the Bengals. They are the underdog. But the game is not what they call a marquee matchup as last year when you had Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. So I'll watch the game, but I don't really like the National Football League. It is now putting on a halftime show, as I've reported this week, that features rappers who have espoused, encouraged violence against American police. So what the deuce is wrong with the National Football League? What it comes down to is that most of the players are African-American, and many of them feel very strongly that America is a bad place. And this is reflected in what the National Football League does. Now, I admire any athlete who can make it to the NFL. That is a tremendous achievement. So I'd like to see no race at all in this. But unfortunately, like almost everything else in our country, pro football has been infected by divisive racial beliefs. And that is what we are all facing on Super Bowl Sunday. So I'll watch the game, but the Super Bowl show shouldn't be happening. Now this. AMAC is the leading conservative advocacy and benefits organization. 
AMAC gives you access to exclusive benefits, insightful news, and a magazine full of uncensored content. They are pushing back against efforts to defund the police, weaken the borders, and corrupt our youth. But they need your help. Please stand with AMAC at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. That is the Morning O'Reilly Update. More analysis later on. Right now on 77 WABC, stay informed with Bernie and Sid in the morning. At 5, it's Cats at Night with John Katsimatidis on 77 WABC. Spent most of the next days looking at the x-rays and talking about the options and talking about sweet time. I asked him when it sank in that this might really be the real end. How's it hit you when you get that kind of Tell him, of Tim, what'd you do, brother? Man, what'd you do? And he said, I went skydiving. Rocky Mountain climbing, I went 2.7 seconds on a boom day, boom day, and I love deeper, and I spoke sweeter, and I gave forgiveness, I said to dying. And he said, Someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. Tim McGraw, talking about his father, the great Met and Philly pitcher, Tug McGraw. Found out he had cancer, and all of a sudden, Tug got closer with Tim and his wife, uh, wife Faith. And you got to live like you were dying, which I've done most of my life, and I nearly died many times. Is that his wife in real life, Faith Hill? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I know it's funny you say that because I have been touting Yellowstone as the best show on television for a long time now. And maybe even the best show on TV I've seen since The Sopranos. And it turns out that they've made a prequel that they're airing now. It's called 1883. And the stars of 1883 are the aforementioned Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. And I believe they're married in that show. But, yes, they're married in real life. Yeah. you got to get into that You didn't that know show. that? No, I didn't know. <laughs> so I'm telling you, you got to watch the damn show. I don't want to watch this show. It's a really good show. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. No, nobody's even talking about you it. You feel like you're who's, traveling. Who's talking about it? Nobody. You feel like you're really traveling across the frontier. That's fine. But every Monday morning, people were like, Yellowstone, Yellowstone. Who the hell is talking about 1883? Nobody. I mean, nobody. That doesn't mean it's not a good show. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, people watch a lot of really bad television. You know? Well, if you think about it, uh, Yellowstone is... is it's on its fourth season. It just finished its fourth season. Nobody was talking about seasons one through three. That's true. And but I made it famous. Yeah. I, I legitimately made that show yeah, famous. Yeah, you kind of did. And then 1883 is only yeah. on season one. Bo so. Deedle, who just called me, he's out in the Hamptons with his beautiful uh, wife, Margot. He had no idea what the hell Yellowstone was. He thought it was a park in uh, Wyoming. And now he never misses the show. Him and many, many others. So uh, I'll give it a shot, 1883. I'm just kidding with you. 
So the uh, the president, Joe Biden, of course, yesterday took uh, Lester Holt to task on NBC because of inflation and uh, and all these things. So I love it when people uh, beat up on Joe Biden. So does Bernard. Bernard's not here today. He'll be back Monday, another round of chemotherapy. He'll be back on Monday. But uh, we, we specifically love Bernie and I, this guy, John Kennedy from Louisiana. We play him now almost every day. If John Kennedy says something, we play it. Because he's a very, very entertaining. And once again yesterday, our guy out of Louisiana opened up a can of whoop-ass on Joe Biden. I like President Biden. I- I'm just not sure we can afford him. Um, so far, the best evidence of the existence of the Biden administration has been the damage they leave in their wake. <laughs> Exhibit A is inflation. Uh, it's the most pernicious tax imaginable. It it uh, it waterboards uh, middle Americans and uh, those uh, among us who are at the lower end of the wage scale. There's no doubt inflation now at seven and a half percent, the highest it's been in 40 years, as I mentioned earlier, since Ronald Reagan was president. And folks are seeing it. You know, folks are seeing it. Whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, you are feeling the effects. I uh, believe uh, today's uh, New York Post on the cover reads this Biden's inflation has average household paying $276 per month or more. It's a lot compared to one year ago. That's a lot for most people. A lot. And as I said, Republicans, Democrats, Americans, uh, they don't care that you take money out of their pocket and all of a sudden politics doesn't matter as much. Evidenced by the latest poll on CNN. Here's nine. Do you approve of President Biden's job performance? Well, look at how bad these numbers are for the president. Only four in 10 Americans, 41 percent at the moment, approve of his job performance. Nearly six in 10, 58 percent disapprove. That's a tough number early in a midterm election year uh, for the president of the United States. Now, why is this happening? This is fascinating. We asked people, what has President Biden done for you that you approve of? 56 percent of Americans, nearly six in 10 Americans. That means a decent amount of Democrats said nothing. Nothing. They disapprove of everything that has happened. Now, yes, the (laughs) president would say we passed the rescue plan. We passed the bipartisan infrastructure plan. It is not sinking in. Out in America, 56% of Americans say nothing. They disapprove of everything that has happened so far. So Donald Trump spoke at this rally in Texas a couple of weeks ago. We know, of course, he's got his design set on getting back to the White House in 2024. If God's good to us, that'll be the case. But first, we've got work to do in 2022 when hopefully Republicans take back the House and the Senate. Is Donald Trump talking about just that two weeks ago? You have no choice. This November, you have to throw these raving lunatics the hell out of power and elect (laughs) strong, smart, tough Republicans who will restore your borders, protect your safety, defend your jobs, and put America first. Lover or leaver, that's my shirt today, Jason DeSantis, put America first. Couldn't agree more.
been a, a really good show already. Frank Morano was terrific in the 6 a.m. hour. John Katsimatidis, he joined us at the top of this hour. He's been everywhere. Fox News, Rosanna Scotto, Channel 5, big story in today's New York Post about what uh, John is going through with Christides and just the crime in this city. We'll take a break, though, from inflation and crime and lousy Democrat politicians and all the rancor and all the negativity that we spend a lot of time on this station talking about. And we'll do something nice. If you like my pocket square today, it's Joe Abood's pocket square. Uh, Of course, you know that he's the best men's fashion designer in the world. And this happens to be a huge week for the fashion folks. It is Fashion Week in New York City, something that um, I look forward to. And certainly Joseph has made a career of it. Here he is. My dear friend, the very talented Joe Abu. Joseph, good morning, pal. How are you? Good morning. Is this the fashion icon, Sid Rosenberg? You know, I'm actually wearing a, a V-neck T-shirt today. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm such yeah, a fan. Yeah, showing off those muscles. No, you saw right? that, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's right. You make, it, you make it available, and you're looking great, by the way. Well, thank you. You know, the, uh, the magazine that uh, we did together, FLG yeah. Magazine, that actually mm-hmm. comes out on Sunday. Vicky Press uh, told me yesterday. Uh, that was just an yes. amazing day back in that loft in Trebekah with Michael Goldman back in December. And mm-hmm. uh, listen, yeah. I, I've done a lot of things in my career, a lot of things I never thought I'd do, especially now, TVs and movies. But I never, Joseph, could have ever imagined I'd be doing gracing the cover of a magazine that <laughs> David Beckham was on last month. But thanks to you, we pulled it off. And I think Sunday is going to look great. How about you? Well, you know, I have to tell you, Sid, and, you know, we've talked about it before. You did an amazing job. And uh, the way we style the clothes on you, it was a different Sid Rosenberg. I thought you looked amazing. And it, you've got to be really critical when you put pictures in a magazine. You know, it's not just a photo. It's not just Instagram. You really have to look at using a great photographer, having a great subject, having great clothes, great accessories, great jewelry, all of those things. And it came together. It really was it was magical, and it was also really easy, Sid. We had a lot of fun doing that. Yeah. That's when you know you have great work, when you have fun doing it, and you get a great product. Uh, you were great that day. You were fun, and all your stuff is terrific. And I tell you, you know, talking to John Katz and Matidis about 40 minutes ago yeah. and everything going yeah. uh, wrong listen, here. I heard. You heard that, yeah, the, the, the stuff going yeah. wrong here, you know, the people going into stores and shoplifting, and it's become, like John said, a jungle out there. And uh, the fashion industry, I don't know. I mean, are, are people, like, breaking into Neiman Marcus? Yeah. Are they breaking into men's yeah. warehouse and stealing suits? You, you know, Sid, it's interesting because you said, you know, let's get away from all the crime and yeah. let's have some fun with fashion. But it's affected fashion. And when someone closes a store and we shut down locations, the criminals win. The fashion business is just as affected as everyone else. Uh, So many of these young people who work behind the counters are petrified to go into stores. I'll tell you a story. I was in the Westchester Mall the other day, and uh, there are great stores like, you know, Gucci and Louis Vuitton and Burberry. Yeah. Fifteen minutes after I left, there were two smash and grab uh, events where when you're in the suburbs and you're in a high end location, This is infectious. This crime is infectious. It's not just in the cities. It's now spreading to the suburbs. And the fashion business is affected by it. People don't want to come to work in stores. And and also, Sid, think about this. These young people behind counters, they're not going to stop criminals. 
They're going to just let people walk in of course. and take things. Right. Uh, you know, uh, 10 cashmere sweaters <laughs> are the day's profit, and they are walking out the doors, and this has got to stop. Not and only, I also you, said I yeah. remember the days of coming into to New York City and uh, when I was a buyer and going out to dinner and taking a walk at night and looking at the windows at Bergdorf's and Saks and Barney's and just loving being in New York City. I know we say it's the greatest city in the world, but in fact, we aren't at the moment. We've got to get this back. I agree with you. The uh, greatest men's fashion designer ever, Joseph Abood, joining me here. And we did talk, and we'll get to Fashion Week here momentarily. But, you know, when COVID struck and a lot of folks stopped going to work, one of the industries that took a massive beating was yours because men were not putting on suits anymore. They were not working for the longest time. And when they returned to work, they would wear like a shirt, a tie, and a pair of boxer shorts because they're on a damn Zoom all the time. Have we started to see some improvement when it comes to shopping men's clothing since the start of COVID two years ago? Yeah, well, listen, what happened in the last two years – we lowered the bar on fashion. Let's be honest. Everything was sweatshirts and hoodies, right. walking around in your boxer shorts with a shirt and tie. <laughs> we really lowered the bar. And right now, um, it looks like we're emerging. People want to get dressed again. But now we're looking at crime as one of the deterrents for people going into stores and shopping. First, it was COVID getting infected. Now people are afraid that th- something might happen. It really is, um, and I hate to, you know, I'm not a negative guy, but as John said, and John's brilliant, he said, enough is enough. When are we going to get this back on track? Because doesn't it feel great to get dressed, to go out to dinner, to go to the theater? Everybody gets stressed. I always said, you put on a tuxedo, you feel like James Bond. (laughs) That's what we admit. Listen, I get dressed uh, every day. Every day I I get dressed. It doesn't matter. Uh, Now we're on television, but even before that, I was getting dressed every day anyway because it certainly does do something for the psyche, and and people look at you in a different light. There's no question about it. So this is a fashion week here in New York. I've been invited to a bunch of events. I go back to a show that you put on down by the South Street Seaport years ago, Chaz Palminteri. I'll tell you what's funny. The other day we were watching the uh, the Food Channel, me and Danielle, and there's a guy with white hair. He's a multimillionaire. He's like the second most famous guy on that channel next to Guy Fieri. And he sat next to Danielle at your show that night, but she had no idea who the guy was. But a long story. Right. You, know, you know what guy Jeffrey, I'm talking about? I, yes. Yeah, Jeffrey. Yes. And, and uh, he, I'm, it, this is terrible because I can't remember his last name. But, yeah, it's brilliant. And I'm not a Food Channel guy, but um, brilliant. But, you know, you and Chaz and a number of other celebrities who, who really do love fashion. You know, Chaz, let's just say, you know, he puts on a, a, a beautiful sport coat. He, he walks out of Hollywood. Yeah, he does. You know, that's kind of the cool thing. And that's what's great about dressing. Uh, but Fashion Week is a little different. You know, we're going back to live shows, Sid. We are going back, but it isn't the same when, uh, if you recall, a lot of the shows were in Bryant Park uh, for yes. years. Yes. And they were the tents at Bryant Park. And, and, and uh, you know, the mayors supported, you know, Mayor Bloomberg, uh, Rudy Giuliani. They really supported the fashion industry. They showed up. They were there. And you felt the energy and excitement of a city like New York at the heart of fashion. It was amazing. We aren't quite there yet. The shows are coming back. A lot of big names aren't showing, Sid. Ralph Lauren's not showing. Tommy Hilfiger's not showing. Wow. Uh, Tom Ford? It, it, no because, Tom Ford? Tom, no, no, Tom Ford's not showing. 
And a lot of them, you know, part of it was um, not having the right models or perhaps not, you know, worried about COVID. So we haven't really recovered from this near-death experience that the fashion business has just been through. Yeah, and I know um, I know that for it, you. For, it's a reality check. It yeah, really is a yeah. reality check. And for guys like you, Joseph, who put these shows together, and again, uh, your shows yeah. are great. I, I went to a couple, but you work yeah. months and months, laborious oh work, hours and hours, and the show is over in 20 minutes. <laughs> you, you know, I don't think people realize the amount of work, time, and energy that goes into putting on a fashion show. You have to choose the right music. You have to make samples. It can start eight months before, and it literally is uh, 12 to 15 minutes. And then, boy, you want to talk about being over, it's over. Over. And, and, the, and the amazing thing is, you know, in years past, before everything in Internet, the show was done. Now at least we can have it on video and we can go back and look at it. That show that you were talking about, Sid, which was really fun, was an ode to Ellis Island and people coming to America for a better life. Mm. Um, so fashion does reflect, you know, society in a lot of ways. Can, really... I, can I say this on the way out? And, and uh, look, I'm, I'm a uh, heterosexual guy. I love the whole woman. You know <laughs> that, okay? I'm married to a gorgeous, yes. gorgeous girl. I get yeah, it, okay? Danielle I understand beautiful. it. Thank you. But why is it that uh, women now, whether they're 20 years old, whether they're, and I know you're a men's designer, but you know all the females do, right. whether they're 20, they're 40, they're 50, they're 55, why does every dress have to show women's breasts completely? I got to tell you, it, it, it does nothing for me. It has turned me off completely. How about leaving just a little bit to the imagination, just a little? Well, you know, at the world's changed. It used to be, I mean, think about it was in the 90s. And, and I think, listen, women's wear is much more experimental, but you'll find this really interesting. I think there's a lot more reality to women's wear designers today than there are to men's wear designers. A lot of men's wear designers have sort of, I don't know, they've gone crazy. There's such crazy fashion and, and things that men will never wear. I think there's more reality to what's happening in women's wear today than in men's wear. But you know me, and, and I've done this with you. I've always designed for my customer. I've always designed to make men look and feel better. That's always been my goal. And I don't like sensationalism when it comes to men's wear. I, got, I want guys to be handsome. Right. I want guys to be attractive. Right. That's my goal. And you, uh, you're you very good at it, Joseph. You found a way to make me attractive. <laughs> As I said, you've been one of my pet projects right. and uh, and I have created uh, a fashion icon and you know, I'm going to put that on my resume. Well, thank you. When is uh, what is fashion week over? Is it over today? No, no, it just starts. It basically is starting today. It's for this today is men's day. There's some fashion shows for men, but they aren't really runway presentations. They're more, um, you know, having coming in and take a look at the model and right. seeing some clothes. But gotcha. the big runway shows like the ones that, that I did aren't really happening now. Gotcha. Well, listen, it's always great to catch up with you, especially a week like this, Fashion Week. Nobody better yeah. in the history of the business. I'm looking at a very, very nice picture of you that Gabby Lopez put up on our feed right now at WABCRadio.tv. You look very, very handsome. I love you to pieces. Thank you, Joseph, and I'll see you soon. And I can't wait for the magazine. I'll call you when that magazine comes out because, you know, stardom is right around the corner, Sid. The magazine comes out Sunday, this Sunday, the day before yeah. Valentine's Day. So I'll talk to you Sunday morning. Okay, pal? All right, my friend. I Thanks, love you. Sid. That's a great job. Joseph Abood, menswear fashion designer. This is uh, Fashion Week. This was actually Justin's idea. 
Oh. You love Abud. I know you do. He's such yeah. a great. He's a great guest. He's I mean, a great guest. Listen, I I love Joe. Joe uh, does reciprocate that love towards me. I mean, he's he's fond of you. I wouldn't say love. Love's a stretch. He loves me. He's fond of you. Why don't you ask him? No, no thanks. I would personally ask him. I heard if it. he loves me. Okay. I'll ask him. He might say yes. He may say yes. You know, I played golf with his son-in-law. Okay, that's a good story. We'll uh, take a short break. When we get back, we're going to talk to Rudy Giuliani, uh, <laughs> Patricia Domingo, the hot bench judge, Lydia reports, and Beat Sid, all still to come. Only halfway through of this epic Bernie and Sid Friday morning show on Talk Radio 77 WABC. We are New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Talk Radio 77 John Katz and Matidis and Joseph Abu for the first two hours today. A couple of really good guests still to come your way, including the great mayor himself, my friend Rudy Giuliani, coming up at 840. Something always wrong by Toad the Wet Sprocket as we start hour number three, the 8 a.m. hour. On this, the Bernie and Sid in the morning show, Bernie's still at Sloan Kettering today, and uh, he's got his uh, second round of chemo finishing up. He'll be back here on Monday, and I believe he's got uh, three more rounds to go after this. So we get uh, Bernie back on Monday morning. But uh, the show's been great. You guys have been terrific, Justin, Alec, and Kevin, and Frankie, and Mike, and Deb, and everyone. And the guests have been great, too. Uh, a lot of big stories today we've been covering, obviously. But the biggest one is still inflation. Well, that is the biggie. Right now, inflation at about 7.5%. That is a 40-year high. You have to go all the way back to Ronald Reagan for numbers like this. And Joe Biden has been forced to answer questions about it the last couple of days, even with friends. As I said earlier, you know, he goes on some of these networks, Biden. It ain't Fox News where Peter Ducey is, uh, you know, he's out there in the morning trying to ask him the right questions. It's not Fox News and it ain't Newsmax. So he goes on these networks where he thinks he's in friendly territory. NBC, for example, Lester Holt, you wouldn't think in a million years that Lester Holt would get Biden's dander up. But he did. But he did. Uh, and that's really the, the mood of the country. If you look at today's New York Post, and this goes back to common sense politicians, common sense Democrats, which John Katsimatidis said on this program about an hour ago. And he continues to say on his own show at 5 o'clock every weekday. And it sounds, I don't know, it sounds obvious, right? It's obvious. Common sense. Not that obvious. Right? Because... Neither side seems to exhibit a lot of common sense, and certainly the folks on the left don't have it at all. I mean, at all. And it's become a major, major issue. According to today's New York Post on the cover, the average American family now is paying about $276 
or more because of inflation in their household. Gas prices are through the roof. You know, you go to the grocery store, you try to buy your, you know, your weekly food. You may have spent 150 bucks at this time a year ago. Now you're spending two and a quarter. And look, a lot of folks just can't afford that. You know, a lot of you guys listening here in New York City, and I explain this to my kids. They don't get it. Like Ava and Gabriel, they grew up in Boca Raton. Now they live in New York City. They don't understand that like 99% of this country, when you go to the movies or go for Chinese food on a Saturday, that's a big deal. That's like a really big deal, you know. When you buy a flat screen TV, that's like seven months of income. That's the real world. That's that's not New York City. That's not Boca Raton. It's not Los Angeles. But that's the real world, you know. So when, when I see $276, you, know, you guys here don't care. Because a lot of my listeners and you guys out there, you'll spend that tonight on dinner. You won't even think twice about it. You go to some restaurant in the city, you'll spend 200 bucks. No big deal. Most Americans, that's a killer. That's a killer. And last I checked, the president and these politicians are there for most Americans, not just the wealthy ones, not just the ones who look all that good. So Biden was asked the last couple of days about inflation, and he had to answer some of these questions, and we know he's not very good at that. Right? He's got to have the script in front of him. You know, Donald Trump, off the cuff, say what you want. I know, I know. Enough. Biden, Trump, I know. But that's what we do here for the most part. And the truth is, Donald Trump, off the cuff, he could do it. He didn't need to know what you were going to ask him to be able to answer. Because the truth is, when Trump didn't know something, and he didn't know a lot. Now, let's be honest. Bernie's not here right now. He didn't know a lot. But he spoke with such confidence, and he's such a good businessman, that he was able to figure it out. He was able to figure stuff out on the fly with zero experience. This guy can't do that. He just can't. So, for example, yesterday he was asked, you know, why are these prices up and down and up and down? And And here was Joe Biden's incoherent answer, five. But the fact is that if we are able to do the things I'm talking about here, it'll bring down the cost for average families. Oh. Bring down the cost for average families. I don't know why they keep moving all that, but you know the why? fact is they yeah. keep down the cost for average families. Yeah. There's no why. There's no why. Uh, how does that feel when you're living in America and all this stuff is going on and the president of the United States, go lie to us. Some of the best presidents I felt like were, they, they were just good liars. And I'm okay if the president lies because the last thing you want to do is have Americans nervous anxious, just lie. It's all great. I know why the prices are going up and down. I'm going to fix it. This idiot goes, I, I, I don't know why. I got it. But I'm going to fix it. Oh, how's that? Hey, uh, Jen, Jen, do we have that on this paper? So then he's talking about gas prices. Bernie said earlier this week to fill up his truck, it's like 100 bucks. And I know Danielle, her car's about 90 bucks. But he, uh, Joe Biden, don't you worry, folks. He knows all about it. He knows all about it. And he's going he's gonna to work his ass off to make sure that those gas prices come down. Joe Biden, too. I'm going to work like the devil to bring gas prices the down, devil. which I'm going to work into yeah. make sure 
that we keep strengthening the supply chains to yeah. the cost of energy and everything else and the goods that come to America. Yeah. Down. What? You buy it? Sounds good, right? Uh, no. No. Doesn't sound good at all. So he's on NBC last night, and again, he thinks he's in friendly territory, because he is. Lester Holt is about as bad or as biased, I should say, agenda-driven as any one of them, whether it's Chuck Todd or who's a dear friend of mine, mind you. I love Chuck Todd. But any one of these folks that protect Joe Biden and malign Donald Trump, even now, with Trump out of office for 15 months, whatever the hell it is. So he thinks he's in friendly territory last night, and Lester Holt brought up the I word. Oh, my God. He brought up the I word. I think it was back in July you said, Inflation was going to be temporary. I think a lot of Americans are wondering what your definition of temporary is. Well, you're being a wise guy with me. Wise guy. Uh, I understand that's your job. But look, uh, at the time, what happened was the uh, let's look at the reason for the inflation. The reason for the inflation is the supply chains Uh were cut off, meaning that the products, for example, for example automobiles, okay, right. huh. the lack of computer chips to be able to build those automobiles uh-huh. so they could function. They need those computer chips. Okay. They were not available. No. So what happens? With the number of cars were reduced, the new cars reduced, it made up at one point one third the cost of inflation because the price of automobiles were up. So what I did when I went out and made sure we started to make those domestically, I didn't tell the command and provide $20 billion to build a new facility. Right. A number of organizations are doing the same kinds of things. Yeah. Did you hear that thump at the end? That's when Lister Holt's head hit the table. He's like, oh, my God. Yeah. I heard something about computer <laughs> chips. I, I computer chips and cars. Right. And it was the most um, confusing explanation. It's clear he has no idea what any of this stuff is all about. He has no idea. Now, Pete Buttigieg... This guy, of course, has been home changing his baby's diaper for the better part of seven months. So, I mean, I'm a father, too, and I changed my kid's diapers. Danielle was scared to death. I changed Ava's diaper first. I get it, okay? But this guy, that's all he does. He's a transportation secretary. He never goes to work. But at least when he talks, and we know he's full of it, he was a lousy mayor in, uh, in Indiana, Notre Dame, that, uh, that town there. Um, he doesn't do anything. We got all that. But at least when he talks, he speaks well with some type of confidence. And that's why people think he may have a shot to win it on the left. If somebody like uh, Michelle Obama doesn't jump in. And here, Buttigieg yesterday talked about gas prices. So uh, the administration has been acting aggressively in several ways, uh, including the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, also diplomatic efforts, knowing, of course, that uh, gas prices are a function of oil prices that are set globally, and ensuring that when and if there is any evidence of gouging or market manipulation, that's, that's acted on aggressively. We also know, of course, that we can act to bring down prices across a family's budget, which is one of the reasons why the president has put forward measures that will reduce kitchen table costs on everything from insulin to electric vehicles and everything in between. And we continue to be hopeful of congressional action to make that a reality. All right. So he's hopeful. Now, there's more hope because one of Biden's top economic advisors, Jared Bernstein, he spoke yesterday and he seems to think that inflation will be going down significantly very, very shortly, very, very soon. Here he is, Jared Bernstein. 
I expect inflation to come down significantly in 2022. Now, more to the point, that's not just my expectation. That's the uh, expectation of every forecast I've looked at, and it's very important. Basically, what the forecasts tell you is that the job market should stay tight and get even tighter, supporting wage growth, while inflation decelerates, while it slows. So virtually every forecast has inflation growing about half as fast this year as it did last year. Now, half as fast still might take you above the the Fed's target. But if that if that uh, occurs, that's going to be a real sign that some of our interventions, some market interventions are helping to ease these price pressures. Now, when you listen to the governor of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, who won that uh, terrific race when he took out Terry McAuliffe in the great state of Virginia, such a great win for the Republicans. He says it's very simple. You blame inflation on the spending from the federal government. Biden, this one's on you. First of all, we do have runaway inflation, and it's just completely uh, driven by a lack of discipline in our federal spending. And to see inflation at seven, raise 7% last year, and there's expectations that it'll be at least another 6% this year, uh, it's just running away from us. And we're seeing it on a, on a, at the ground level across Virginia. Grocery prices mm-hmm. going up, housing prices going up, service prices going up. Virginians are really frustrated with this. And, and so I don't think this is going to play well for the president in, in Virginia. As we're working to get ex- costs down, we're, work, we're working to cut taxes, eliminate our grocery tax, double our standard deduction, have a very large tax rebate, exclude $40,000 of our veterans' retirement benefits from being taxed, and, oh, by the way, suspend the most increase in our gas tax. Yeah. We have got to get prices down. The one thing I can do is get taxes down. And uh, I really wish Washington would do a much better job of understanding the dynamics of supply and demand. Glenn Youngkin out of the great state of Virginia right there on inflation and his reasoning why it has ballooned out of control. Again, 7.5%, a 40-year high. Well, that was a pretty good segment if um, you're interested in the whole inflation deal. If you're not, you hated it. You just, yeah, you're like, I mean, get me back to Elvis Duran. I want to hear some... No, no, I, don't I don't think anybody wants to go back to Elvis Duran. No, nobody wants to do that. Nobody. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, no, listen, it's, of course uh, not. it's been around for too long. What's that? Inflation. So it's, uh, it's a big deal. You know, yeah, of course yeah. it's a big deal. So we have to talk about it. We covered it very, very well. I think we had a bunch of, it was great there. All that sound you put, that was all you, Justin. You put all that sound together. That was a tremendous job. Yeah, I did. And um, happy to do it for you. Right. <laughs> I will tell you that Joseph Abu did say after the conversation that he does love you. I said he was fond of you. You said, no, no, he loves me. And he did say he does love you. So I knew he would. Congratulations. I love Joe. Okay. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. We've had a good run of guests today. Uh, I'll tell you, Frank Morano was terrific. John Katz and Matidis was uh, excellent. And so was Joseph Abu. It's still to come. The man, Mayor Rudy Giuliani, coming up at 840. And then live in studio, I love this lady, from the Hot Bench Show, Judge Patricia DeMango, on her way to the studios. She's been out with me and Bernie many, many times. She'll be live coming up at 905. But coming up next, part of that great afternoon show, Cats at Night, Lydia Serrani. Lydia reports on Bernie and Sid is coming up right after this.
today by Justin Ellick. That's your second Cure song. You played Lullaby earlier. That's pictures of you, one of my favorite bands ever. I love Robert Smith and the Cure. Saw them actually perform live once at uh, 007 Metro on a Thursday night in uh, Long Island many, many, many years ago. Anyway, want to remind you folks, the big game, the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday, Super Bowl 56, the Rams and the Bengals. And uh, if you're having a Super Bowl party, if you're having folks over the house, I recommend you go to Gristini's or D'Agostino's. Uh, the one by me on the Upper West Side has a really cool uh, uh, Super Bowl deal when you walk in. They got chips and they got sodas and they got drinks. So I recommend if you're having a party for the big game coming up on Sunday, go to your local Gristini's and or D'Agostino's and get all the stuff you need to make sure you keep your guests happy. And anything you need, they've got it. And uh, no supply chain supply chain shortage, I should say at least at the Gristini's that I go to on the Upper West Side. With that said, it is time now for Lydia Reports. This is Lydia Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. I had to play this song for you, Sid. You're playing a song for me? Yeah, The Cure. Which one? It's about Friday. Oh, it's it's Friday, I'm in love. It's Friday, I'm in love, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love that song. Yes. Yes. Let's see. Let's. This is the best part. Wait. I don't hear it. Yeah, we can't hear it. Monday. <laughs> we can't. Tuesday, Wednesday. We can't hear it. Day Okay. Sorry. Well, you, I, I mean, you're doing a good job singing, but we can't hear it here. But I do love that song. It's Friday. Oh, oh, I'm in love. Yeah. You couldn't hear from my computer. No, we Shoot. couldn't hear it. Okay. No, no. Sorry. Oh, so I. Sorry. I have to fix the, the stupid things on my my computer. Okay. All right. Well, good well speaking is stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know, right? I'm such a boo-boo head. I'm a boo-boo head. So President Biden, you guys have been playing the whole wise guy thing. Yes. He's, you know, about inflation being transitory. And he's like, he doesn't know. And the reason, obviously, like you've been saying, is the XL pipeline. Katsimatidi said it right from the beginning. We had a press conference outside of the station. And I remember him talking about it. And there was a reporter. Phil Lipoff, for who is now with ABC News, and John was saying, listen, oil's going to go to $90 a barrel. You think yep. inflation is bad now? It's going to get worse. This is, And Phil Lipoff looked at me. He's a veteran reporter. He looked at me. He goes, he can't be right, can he? <laughs> I said, I'm telling you, he's he's usually right. I, I don't want to scare you. He goes, no way. I said, I'm dead serious. He goes, it's not going to get that bad. I said, oh, it's going to get bad. He's actually being optimistic. And John says, hold you know, hold on tight, fasten your seatbelts. It's going to get even worse. And then Lester Holt, he did actually a good job. Lester Holt, the anchor. He did a very good job because, as I said to you all morning, you know, when Biden and these Democrats go on these networks, they are under the impression, and they should be, that they're protected. They're not going to come after them, but Lester Holt went after them, to his credit. He, He didn't go after him. He did his job. I know that, but once you bring up the word inflation with Joe Biden, you're kind of going after him because no one else will do that in the liberal media. Well, he asked him another question about Afghanistan. If yep. you recall, yep. General McKenzie and all the generals, they came out and they said that they warned Biden that withdrawing from Afghanistan, the way he was going to do it would be catastrophic. It would result in many deaths and leave us vulnerable, et cetera, et cetera. So Lester Holt specifically asked Biden, take a listen. No. No. <laughs> That's not what I was told. No, no, no. That you were told that the U.S. administration officials were prepared. They knew it was time to get out. No, 
What I was no. told, no one told me that, no. look, there was no good time to get out. No. But if we had not gotten out, they acknowledged that we would have had to put a hell of a lot more troops back in. It wasn't just 2,000, 4,000. We would have mm-hmm. to significantly increase the number of troops, and we were back in this, this war of attrition. And, it, and there was no way we were ever going to unite mm-hmm. Ukraine. I mean, excuse me. Uh, Ukraine? Uh, what? Hello? Hello? Afghanistan. Oh. No way that was going to happen. No. And oh so my God. this Ukraine, is a much wiser Iraq. thing to do. I just want to clarify. Are you rejecting the conclusions or the, the accounts that are in this Army report? Yes, I am. Well, he's lying. Not, we, not we, no, thank you. We know because well, Millie came out, and you can't trust Millie. I understand yeah. that. But Lloyd Austin, Millie, all these guys came out and said he had those statistics. We warned him. We tried to convince him, and he wanted no part of it. So that right there, what you just played, Lydia, is Joe Biden bold-faced lying to Lester Holt yeah. and the American people. Absolutely. I, I mean, I don't want to say the word, but it rhymes with reason what this guy could be guilty of. The fact that we have the pres- sitting president of the United States putting the interests of foreign entities before that of Americans. You tell me what that is. It's really frightening. I, I, I Do they think we're this stupid? Does he think Americans are this stupid? I just wow. got my Con Ed bill, by the way. Yeah. It is shot through the roof. I, I don't we. It's it's sad that I really miss some mean tweets right about now. I well, really you, you, wish you I had asked the question. Tweets. Do they think Americans are this stupid? Well, I mean, if you believe the election results, he got 80 million votes. If you don't, he probably got 70 million. So there's a lot of very stupid people out there. But the proof is going to be in the pudding again, because Bernie and I do this every day. And Bernie's like, listen, people are coming around, even Democrats. I don't know if that's true. I'm going to find out in 2022 when the Republicans take back the House and the Senate in 2024 when Trump gets back to the White House. Then we'll have empirical proof that people are coming around right now are people that stupid the answer is yes yes they are i agree with you i agree with you a lot of americans are that stupid and that's why it's like a dog whistle the whole racism thing and the gender politics that's right. That's and right. all this other stuff it's just kind of like a mirage to kind of get you get give that gut reaction and be like oh yeah trump was racist oh yeah this or that when the reality is trump said a lot of stupid things I, i'm a fan of trump i like trump but he said a lot of stupid things he yes, did he a did. lot of stupid things but his policies made sense no his policies were great listen he, hopefully he becomes as we talked about yesterday the next Grover Cleveland, who who I believe was the 22nd and the 24th president. Hopefully Donald Trump will be 45 and 47. By the way, Lydia, I've already two months in advance, two months in advance, I've booked Lala Kent for Bernie and Sid on April 11th. How about that? Lala? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't even know why she's... I guess. And how she got the Range Rover? Yeah, I guess. I guess. You, you know, know what? You know, you know, I, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what, about uh, like Lala. So Lala is on this show, Vanderpump Rules, which is one of my guilty pleasures on the Bravo channel, along with the Housewives and the rest of those stupid shows. But for the longest time on that show, all she talked about were her sexual escapades with Randall and how great PJs Randall was. For PJs. Exactly right. Very good, Lydia. And then when they break up, she's telling everybody how disgusting he is, how gross he is. So I'll ask you as a woman. You're with a guy, and you spend all this time telling everybody how great he is. Then things go sour, and now he's no good. You know who looks stupid? Not the guy. You do. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice.
Yeah, but you know why he's all of a sudden gross? Because why? she found out he's broke. Is, is he really That's broke? Why. Is he really broke? He's broke. Wow. He's broke. Yeah. He's got no money. Remember, yeah. he owed 50 cent, like, well, a million dollars. Yes. He's broke. That's yes. why she broke up with him. I think she's trying to play up this whole, like, him cheating on her, this and that, and blah, blah. He's just because, and she's trying to act like she's all hurt because <laughs> she's a hoe. She's a hoe. <laughs> and she's she, a hoe. <laughs> she, she is. She knew he was married with two children and she was sleeping with him and right. bragging oh. about it on national TV that she slept with him. She's like, I decided to let him hit it. Right. And then I got on brand new car in my driveway the next day. Yep. Now all of a sudden we find out he's broke and he becomes this like horrible person. She is so, so full of it. She's a narcissist. She's a bully. I don't like what she did to Raquel. She's like most women. Uh, I, I just, by the way, she's gross. She's like most she's women. Gross. And her most, beauty fades. Most, dumb is forever. Most okay, women guys, are remember exactly that. like her. Most women are exactly uh, like her. Not, not this woman. Oh, not, not let me your tell daughter, you, not what, your wife. No, not my wife. But, but, but what happens if your husband, God forbid, lost his job tomorrow? How unattractive, how quickly uh, will your cousin become unattractive? Never. Never. I love my husband. Never. If he Sickness can't pay the bills, health, wait, if, if he can't pay the bills, well, I'll pay the bills. I, I, that's why I went to school. And wow. I'll be able Good to help support us. Look at you, Absolutely. Lydia. The Lala Ken is gross. She is gross. I agree with she's you. Gross. She's gross. She's a hoe. She's a, she's, listen, she's gorgeous, but she messed up her face too with all that Botox and all that stuff in her face. I'm Horrible. going for, I'm Horrible. going for Botox today. Just, uh, just so you know. Well, listen, uh, you don't need it. I just saw a picture of you with your little tight t-shirt, the, the mediums, a small medium, too tight on, that's an that's an out. extra you large know. wise ass. That's an extra large. It's not a medium. <laughs> <laughs> Let me quote Joe Biden. It's a hold. small medium. No, I know. I bought it the baby well, gap. I know. But hey. you have no wrinkles on your forehead. How much? How much? Like smoother face. Like what's with the boat? You don't need the Botox. Don't go overboard. I'm, okay? I'm addicted. I can't help myself. But I must tell you, I mean like this sincerely. Tanning? You were great the last couple of days, and uh, Bernie's not here, so it's always great when somebody else hops Bernie. on with me. And I just, I think the world of you. Thank you so much for the last couple. I you. love you. I love being on with you. It is such an honor to be on the number one show, the number one talk show in America. And you know, people again, I'm seeing it on social media. They're like, "Oh, you kiss Sid's ass. You oh, kiss Sid's up. ass. You kiss John Cat's Matitis." And I'm like, "I'm just yes. telling it like it is. I'm sorry. That's that's the guy was right. You're a great host. I, I tell you. Chad Lopez. I said I learn a lot. I listen to your show. You're a great broadcaster. I don't Thank care you. what anybody says. Thank you. You've got the mechanics down, the formatics down. I've learned so much from you and Bernie. It's unreal. I went from TV to radio, and because I'm getting good, I'm trying to get better every single day. It's because of you guys. Thank it's you. Because you're of great. Chad. It's because of John. So I'm going to call it like it is. That's it. Well, thank you. So we, John Katzmatidis, cats at night, five o'clock. Five o'clock. Check out uh, Lydia. Thank you. You're great too, and I appreciate all the kind words. You can follow Lydia on Instagram at Lydia News One on Twitter at Lydia News. She really does a terrific job. Rudy Giuliani is coming up next. I'm very excited about that.
Well, it's no secret on this show, at least, Bernie and Sid. Bernie's not here today. He'll be back on Monday. But uh, we love Rudy Giuliani. We've always loved Rudy Giuliani. We worked together, me and Bernie, back in uh, 2001 on the Imus in the Morning Show. At that point, Don Imus was larger than life. And I was on the air with Imus and Charles McCord talking about the football game the night before when the Giants, who had just lost the Super Bowl to Baltimore, got blown out in Denver by the Broncos when the first plane hit. And then by the time the second plane hit, legendary sports announcer Warner Wolf called into our show and said, oh, my God, we're under attack. Even before then, I fell in love with Rudy Giuliani because he showed just a brass set of balls, putting away not one, not two, not three, not four, but all five, all five heads of the crime families in one shot. This guy has made a career, a career out of showing everybody what bravery and courage really is. And he continues to do it 3 o'clock every weekday afternoon right here on our station. And now his son, Andrew, who kicked ass in Whitestone last night, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. With that said, here he is, my friend Rudy Giuliani. Mr. Mayor, good morning. How are you, pal? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. How, how, how are you, Sid? I'm doing great. It's great to have You're you. You're looking on great. The show. <laughs> Thank you. are You're you looking wa- great. I saw a great picture of you yesterday in the studio. You look terrific. Oh, my God. You look okay. like you get. You look like you're getting ready for one of those uh, weightless contests, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, wow. you know I, I have put on quite a bit of muscle, and I have to tell you, Rudy, I'm asked all the time, Sid, what happened? You know, the people who knew me from FAN years ago, I was really skinny, no muscle. And what happened to me was this thing, it's called midlife crisis, and I went nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and I went nuts. Well, it looks good. Thank you. Thank you, Rudy. Talking about looking good. What doesn't look good is the future of this city. And we talk about it all oh. day. John Katsimatidis was on this show about an hour and a half ago talking about how his stores are in trouble. Down in the village, there's Gristides. They rob them every single day. They they take stuff out of the out of the, the supermarket. It's very I yeah, I, I mean Rudy, it's very simple. Is there any reason to believe things are going to get any better anytime soon in our beloved city? Mm, honestly, I, I haven't seen any action yet. Uh, I've heard the words. The one action taken was almost ludicrous when Adams uh, put those the officers back in plain clothes. That was my old anti-crime unit. And then he took them out of plain clothes by identifying them. So I, yeah, I, I don't know what he was thinking. The whole idea of, I mean, it's almost silly, uh, but too sad to laugh. The whole idea of being in plain clothes is so you don't know the person's a police officer. Right. I but mean, that, that you know, right. that might be that might create problems in social relations with the community. So police officers have to be identified. Hey, Rudy, do you, do you get along with Eric Adams? Because he actually used that word, which he used to describe Curtis Sliwa as well, when he talked about returning this city to the David Dinkins days. Who in God's name wants this city back in the David Dinkins days? And he said, well, Rudy Giuliani's tactics were racist. Does he talk to you? Talk to him? Did, did, he, re- did he really say that? I swear to God. My tactics were racist. Well, yes. Here's the difference between Adams and me. I saved black lives. And so far, he's costing black lives. So uh, I'm the mayor who saved more black lives than any mayor in the history of the city. When I came into office, there were, well, Dinkins averaged 2,000 murders a year. Uh, 
The idea that he reduced murder in his last year is a, is a farce. It went up. <laughs> you know, they love to say, oh, Dinkins started the reduction in crime. He got a reduction the year before. Then the year, be- then the year I came into office, I, I inherited a, uh, uh, an increase in murder. So murder was going up when I came in. Uh, I, the, he was averaging 2,000 murders a year. When I left, we were, we were down to closer to 500. So I eliminated 1,500 murders. Right now we're at 500, and we're terribly upset. When I came into office, uh, Dinkins left us at 2,000. I mean, he was getting keep people killed left and right. Yep. He had two major riots, including a pogrom in Brooklyn, sparked by Al Sharpton, by the way, who, you know, made a very sensible comment the other day of being attacked. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> this place has t- turned into Looney Tunes. I mean, Sharpton points out the, uh, that Sharpton, I mean, Sharpton points out the city is really a wreck. It's te- things are terrible. Everything is even locked up in his uh, in his uh, drugstore when he goes to buy stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then Hannah Jones, Miss sixteen nineteen, who makes up history, attacks him. Yeah, yeah. And says crime is no big deal. <laughs> people have been stealing forever. That's true. That's why we've had to put people in jail. Uh, listen, uh, when Al Sharpton is the voice of common sense, Rudy, to your point. Oh my goodness. <laughs> He is. He's a hero. I mean, he is. He's a hero. He's a hero. Of the right wing now. Well, but listen, he's tired of it, too. He can't buy his toothpaste. And, yes, Eric Adams did say that exact word, racist, about your tactics. But I would imagine, I mean, if you were the mayor today, and uh, Alvin Bragg, for example, I know he's saying all the right things now. He's done a complete 180 because he's scared to death. Everybody hates his guts, let's be honest. But if you were mayor and this Manhattan DA came into office and said, basically, I'm not going to arrest anybody unless you kill or rape somebody, yeah, yeah, how would that guy? It would have it would have taken a day. I would have visited the I would have visited the governor. I'd have said, Governor, you want to get reelected? That's Hochul, and she would say yes, and I would say, Well, you get this guy around, he's, you're not going to get reelected. And she'd say, Why? I'd say the first time one of his cases goes wrong, I'm going to tell people, You're the reason. You're the reason that person is dead, because you didn't have the guts to exercise your control and take him out. Uh, Roosevelt took Walker out. You don't have the guts to take this guy out. The, the, the governor can take out a mayor or a district attorney. We have no recall. And uh, I mean, she's on the hook for him. He has he has announced policies that, that in other cities have resulted in record increases in homicide. He's basically a Soros uh, employee. Yeah. yeah, he was. He's one of 27 to 30 D.A.s elected in the last six years. With with million uh, dollar plus contributions from George Soros, yep, they're there to disrupt the cities. There's no question. Every single city we're talking about has massive amounts of murder. Now, talk about racist. The people being killed are black people, and Soros's money is funding it. It's as simple as that. And the blacks who don't do anything about it are the ones who are racist. Could not agree more. The, and black people do kill black people. I got news for the white folks on 96 and Broadway who hold up that sign every Friday. It's blacks that kill blacks, not white cops. You know, I do want to ask yeah, when you, though. When you hear 100 more murders this year than last year, if it's New York or Philadelphia or Chicago or St. Louis, it's anywhere from 7 to eight, uh, 8.5 uh, out of 10 black. Oh, I know. 
I know, oh, I know. Listen, I, come on, come on. I know. And all of the all the attacks on Jews, the attacks on Asians. Uh, we got to stop being honest about these conversations. That's where it's coming from, that community. But I want to ask you about your son. It's important because we need a Republican in that job. And people like Lee Zeldin and people like Estorino. But your son uh, seems to be leading in the early polls. He's been on the show a bunch of times. He has a set just like you. He is fearless. He's not afraid. But he has to go to you for advice. Let's face it, Rudy, you're the greatest mayor in the history of the greatest city in the world. So in those quiet moments, when it's Rudy and Andrew talking, what do you tell Andrew to do to separate himself from Lee and Astorino? Well, I tell him to be himself. I mean, Andrew is extraordinarily uh, competent. I mean, he's always been. Uh, he's 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 one of those uh, kids that you really didn't have to do very much for. Hmm. He knows how to he knows how to take care of himself. He knows how to. I mean, he he uh, was self employed as a professional golfer when he was twenty one years old. And he made a living uh, playing golf uh, over in Europe. And he uh, uh, understands politics. I mean, the poor kid was born into it. I was, he, he and I were having a conversation about politics the other day. And uh, and, and his wife, uh, Z, was around with the baby and we're petting the baby and we're talking about politics. And some of his people were over my apartment. And I said, Andrew, this is how it happened to you. <laughs> wow, that's true, right? You, you right? That, that, that's a third generation Giuliani, right there, Rudy. Before, before you, before you got to think, there were only two things you heard about: the Yankees, right, and, and <laughs> the politics. That's right. And I knew, I knew uh, you were brainwashed immediately. <laughs> Poor thing. Nobody. But very. I'll tell you the thing. He is, and I, I like the other people running. They're all friends of mine. Yeah. Uh, Andrew will get it done. He has a he has a um, commitment to completing what he starts. That's that's amazing. Even his even even the, his desire to run would seem like a long shot a year ago. I don't know if you realize this, but I'll I'll tell you this is another strange thing. He sort of took this out of Hillary Clinton's book. He spent all of last year in upstate New York. Right. No, that's why he's. People wonder why is he ahead in the polls. He's spending no money. Okay, it's true the name, but still, uh, it's a long time ago, and eventually, you know, people start to focus on now, which is what they're doing. Yep. And he's and he's ahead by ten, twelve, fifteen percent. Wow, wow. And I think the reason is he spent a lot of time in upstate New York, and he's gotten people to see he's his own person. And when they look at him, you know, there's a story. There's a story that um, the head of the head of uh, ABC. Uh, told when he was trying to decide whether to invest in Times Square. He said, Cuomo tried to get me to do it two years ago and told me he was going to clean up Times Square. I didn't believe him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dinkins told me last year that he was going to do it, and I basically left, and I was too kind to not laugh at him, but I laughed at him. He said, I looked in in Giuliani's eyes. This is a 10-year anniversary of Times Square. I looked in Giuliani's eyes, and he said, I said, how do I know if this is going to be safe in a year? I said, because I'm here and I'm going to do it. Wow. He said, I looked at you and I said, holy shit, he's going to do it. <laughs> yeah, and, and you did do it. And you did do it. Another, another. Andrew's got the same. He's got, got the same. same yeah. He's got the and same the moxie. That right yeah. now, right now, we need disruptive politicians in the places that are going down. Yeah. You know, kind of, now, whether you like Trump or not personally, right, his personality, you can't say he wasn't a president who shook things up. And got things done. I mean, you look at the list of what he's got done, 
and the things that are going on now, it's a joke. Right. And, and I'm not talking now about the people who are upset about his personality or the election or anything else. I'm just talking about practical things that he got done. Andrew is one of those kinds of people, which is why he worked for him. And uh, and I'm one, one of those kinds of right. people. And, you know, you'll find them. There, there are others like that. Uh, but they're reformers and, cha- and people who do ch- are change agents. That's what the state needs now. It uh, needs, I, I totally it needs agree. Just another Republican governor, just another Democratic governor. Right. It needs somebody we're going to look back on and say, Michael Guardia, that guy really shook things. Oh, I touch. Let's right. take touch. Right. That's a guy who really shook things up. Yep. Not, oh, he was just there. Oh, Ed Koch uh, shook it up for sure. 60 seconds to go. I couldn't agree more. We need somebody to get in there and just just uh, rough people up. I love that. 60 seconds to go, Rudy. You talked about your Yankee fandom. You're also a big-time New York football Giants fan. You're a great sports guy. You and I have had a 1,000 sports conversations over the years. Who does Rudy Giuliani like on Sunday, Super Bowl 56? Uh, how can you not like Cincinnati? Really? I mean, who do I like winning or who do I like? Who do you think is going to win the game? Well, first of all, I'm angry at the game because they have uh, they have uh, Snoop Dogg. Movie Doobie. Right. Movie Doobie, whatever the heck his name is, <laughs> who, who hates cops, who hates cops and, and sang a song about killing cops. And what the heck is wrong with this guy that runs the NFL? He takes the knee. He puts on people who sing about killing cops at a time in which cops are being killed at a record level. But the players aren't responsible for the jerk that runs the place. True. Uh, I would say you got to go with the Ram- the Rams as the team that's going to win. But I'm rooting for the for, for the Bengals. There you go, the underdog. Hey, listen, Rudy, you're so good every time you come on with me and Bernie. You're great every afternoon at three. It well, really it's a big the, deal for us. We love you. Well, it's a big deal for me. I think you guys are the, are the best. Uh, you're certainly the best in the morning. That by far 100. I listen to you when I'm. You know, I've become an expert coffee maker. You'll have to come over and try it. I'd love to. <laughs> I love coffee you know, myself. I listen to you guys. I listen to you guys on uh, – I love, I love when you slightly disagree with each other. Yeah. I think it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, we do that every I now and then. I had dinner with O'Reilly last night, and he, I told him uh, – I told him he gets that big thing, uh, big jump on your show because he's coming on your show. Yes, he does. Oh, were you, were you with Joe Namath too? What? No, no, just uh, uh, Bill. Just Bill, Bill okay. Oh, so you're in Florida now? You're in Florida? Yeah, I'm in Florida for, uh, until Monday. Okay. Well, we got to run, but I love you. Have a safe trip back. You were brilliant this morning, yeah, folks. You have a great weekend. You Let too. Enjoy maybe, the game, Rudy. Maybe next week I'll come on and we can discuss the Super Bowl. Let's I'll do you. it. Let's do it. Let's get you back next week, folks. That's the great Rudy Giuliani, 3 p.m. every weekday here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Love that guy. We'll come back with the fourth and final hour of the week after Deb Valentine with the news. We are New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Talk Radio 77. What were the charges on that domestic situation? Just um, battery. Uh, I know what a battery is, but there's other, you know, I mean, was it an assault? Was it an attempted murder? What was it? It was just domestic violence. Nothing more. Um, Nothing more. You know, that says so much to me. Nothing more than what? Then I knocked her around for a little bit, right? That was bad. Trust me, it's bad, man. That was bad. Five years? And my third time, so. Your third time for domestic violence? Yes, ma'am. You know what you need? Help. Lost and all alone. I always thought that I could. Oh, that's. <laughs> it's not funny. It's actually very, very sad. But that's what makes Hot Bench such a great show. 
Judge Domingo, who has become a personal friend of the, of the show, Patricia, along with judges Tanya Acker and Michael Corriero. Hot Bench weekdays at 9 a.m. on Channel 55 here in New York, season number 8. Patricia's been in studio with me and Bernie many times before, but only the old address at Madison Square Garden, making her debut at these beautiful studios, my friend, hot judge Patricia Domingo. Good morning, Patricia. How Good are you? Good morning. I love being with you no matter where you're located. Ah, we you. could be standing on the street. I'd be happy. Thank for you. you. Uh, my only fear is that uh, we don't get together in your courtroom. Which it wouldn't happen with me, by the way. I don't do those horrible things that these other people do. But uh, that's a fear of mine. Is uh, like I have I have friends who are attorneys and, and judges, and I never want to see them. I know. People no. are always frightened. And meanwhile, yeah. we're just so sweet off the bat. That's true. That's true. My wife is a, a defense attorney, for example, mm-hmm. and she will bite your head off in court. But outside of that, completely different. Sometimes completely. I find that very true. The people who are the m- most aggressive in the courtroom or from the bench off the bed, it's it's like you have a whole new persona. Yes, yes. And it's, it's like a theater. Right, I mean, but, you're uh, interested in acting in theater. That's, that's what it's about. That's my thing, exactly. Not all the new, <laughs> but Danielle's uh, similar to what she is in court. Is, but, but you're worried <laughs> about a lot of people. Uh, you know, it's funny. You walked in, Patricia Domingo, once again, hot bench weekdays at 9 a.m., season 8 now, on Channel 55, and Woody Giuliani was on the phone. And way back when, he appointed you, right? Yes, he did. 1995, he... he he was my god back then, you know. He, he. I wanted that job so badly. Everything I had done up until now, that what job point, was that exactly? I was a criminal pointed to the criminal court. I was the first Italian American woman to ever be seated in the criminal courts for the city of New York, and I had worked, you know, tirelessly from the time I got out of law school, uh, even while in law school, because that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be a judge, and I think he recognized it, and I've tried to do him proud. Since day one. And you have. I tell you what you've got, and, and I know you've heard this before, but you've got that perfect combination. I've got that, too. You have the street smarts because you're a tough girl, but you're also brilliant. You know, you've got the lawyer and you, you know your stuff. So when you combine – see, I know a lot of people that are book smart, but they're not street smart, so they lose. Then I know people <laughs> who are street smart, but they're not book smart, so they, they come off kind of stupid. When you've got both of those – you turn out to be Patricia Domingo. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you have both of those. Thank you. You grew up on the mean streets of what? You're in Brooklyn. I grew Stone up Island? in the Dyker Heights, Bensonhurst, oh, right, Bay Ridge. right next to a schoolyard. Really? And I'd get up in the morning and I'd go in that schoolyard and I played ball. I, I Did you? was racquetball, paddleball, uh, softball, punch ball. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, st- you can't learn street smarts better than from the schoolyard. No, listen, I actually went to Poly Prep. Oh, which is right the there, corner, basically. Around the corner, mm-hmm. yes. And those days are over. Just so you know, the days of us kids, I did the same thing. I went to my local PS uh, 197 and drew a a box on one of the walls and played stickball for hours and hours. Yes, we used to use the broomstick from the broom handle. Or you played in the street. You played with the three sewers. Correct, three sewers. Or you got the spalding ball, you bounced it off the stoop, you played stoop ball. Stoop ball, 50 points, 100 points off the corner. And Patricia, nine hours, ten hours outside, healthy now kids are home. My own son, I, I'm guilty of it myself. He's on the computer. He's, uh, he's on Roblox. He's on this. He's, they don't go outside and play anymore. But you know what the other issue is? First of all, I think they lock the gates now in the schoolyard. I'm not even sure. Well, they, prob- they, they probably should. <laughs> I'm not even sure you could get into a schoolyard anymore. Yeah. But your parents now are afraid to leave their kids unattended outside. That's true. I mean, That's I would true. go out. My neighbors, we all had these row homes. And literally, the mothers would jump over the, the, this little wall, and they'd yell into the school. I used to say to my sister, when we name our kids, we want to be proud when we yell out into the schoolyard. <laughs> 
come in, it's dinner time, you know, because, you know, <laughs> yeah. Anthony, yeah. come yeah. home. Yeah. And uh, so they would do that, and and we'd be there, and they didn't have to worry so much, and we were all together. Now, you're right. It's it does, different. It's yeah. just different. Well, especially in this city where crime has become a, a huge issue, a huge mm-hmm. issue. We've got a DA, uh, a Manhattan DA in Alvin Bragg, mm-hmm. who when he first took office said, he said, outside of rape and murder, basically, you could do what you want, and I'm not going to bother you. I'm not going to arrest you. I'm not going to keep you in jail. Now he has walked that back quite a bit the last couple of weeks because everybody's mad at him, Democrats and Republicans alike. But the truth is, I believe he really felt in his heart what he said day one. So I don't want you to to uh, really go after him per se. But when a DA says something like that, what, what are you thinking? Because I know your job is to keep people safe and, and, and put the criminals away. That You're a judge. That's what you do. Right. My job, actually, is to ensure that justice is done. Okay. It serves no public interest to incarcerate someone who didn't do something, okay. who didn't do wrong. Right. And it serves no public interest to have the streets running, you know, people running wild on the street, committing sure. all sorts of crimes, you know, and, and we see this with the rash of... But, brother, when you deaths. incarcerate somebody who did nothing wrong, it's a horrible injustice oh my to God. that person. Yes. But, but no one's going to die the next day. On the flip side, the second example you gave, when you let that guy out who's got 90 priors, someone's going to die. But, well, <laughs> I can't make that assurance. Well, I can. I, but the only thing, <laughs> that, but what I can say is the person that you're incarcerating that didn't do it, could you imagine being innocent no. and being in prison? And, and some, what if these guys kill him? No, I understand. You it's know, a, it's a mean, horrible thing. It, it really yeah. is. But, but I'm, you see, I'm one of these guys. I'm like Nancy Grace, okay? Okay. Everybody's guilty. <laughs> like it, it's uh, you really have to prove to me you're innocent before I believe you're innocent. Oh, so you're reversing you're reversing the standard of proof. One hundred percent. We start with your right, innocent until proven which guilty. Is, right, which is nonsense. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're guilty. Uh, exactly right. Right. Uh, right. I don't think you'd make it on a jury. I have a feeling if that came out, <laughs> somebody, your wife would take you right, right. off that oh, jury well, she, as a defense attorney. She's a defense. Oh, we have uh, these arguments all the time. Uh, even during the uh, the Gabby Patino thing, I'm like, he killed her. Why do you say that? Where is the evidence? I go, I don't need evidence. He killed her. But By I'm the way, with I was you right. on that one. Well, I'm yeah, with you on that one. That he one. killed her. I right. mean, the common sense dictates that this guy is out there with her along. I mean, there right. are certain things that circumstantially, yeah, listen, not 100%, but I, I was kind of out there with you on that one. Yeah, being the O.J. Simpson trial really screwed everything up because there's a guy that was clearly 1,000, 1 million percent guilty who was uh, acquitted of the criminal charges, at least, not the civil charges. Mm-hmm. And that really screwed the – who would have known that, that, that O.J. Simpson screwed up the whole damn legal system? Since that day, I'm telling you, the confidence is not what it used to be, even though we have, far and away in the United States, the fairest and best legal system in the world. Since that trial, it's been different. Well, you know what? The public – once the public loses confidence in the criminal justice system, there, there's going to be issues. You know, yeah. you, you, you want to make sure that – that the evidence that's presented is presented fairly, that the judge is doing the right thing, that everybody's doing their job. I mean, that's the checks and balances of our system. If everybody's doing their job to, to the best of their ability and or better, hopefully, right, right. Uh, then things should work more smoothly. It's when one of those players fails that we have issues. Right. So you actually really go to work every day under the impression these people are or innocent to proven guilty, like for real. Like I, re- I don't go with any impression. <laughs> I just go in there. I sit up there, try to look nice, try to right. be smart, right. you know, try to be fair, and uh, and and hope that everybody does their job. Well, you know, <laughs> well, you've got it. You've got a double edged sword because you have to a, you know, make sure the law applies. 
and, and be legally on the right side and at the same time be entertaining, whether it's you, Tanya, or oh, Michael. Oh, we're talking about the show now. That's even better. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yes, you have, to, you be, have to be entertaining. Yeah. So you have to take what would happen, you know, all day in family court or all day in whatever court you're in and make it worthy for the viewer, which you do a tremendous job of. That's not easy. No, that I have to tell you, it's not. That's not. I mean, that was never my responsibility before on, on, on the criminal uh, bench. Right, right. But, but here, you know, you have litigants. There are no lawyers, so they blurt out things that they probably shouldn't be saying. <laughs> you grab it. You, you know, you got to listen. So to every word you have to listen to, and then you've got to listen to the words they're not saying. Right. And you've got to latch on to that, and you've got to twist it to make it, you know, humorous. Because yeah. it's true. You want to be entertained. And and in most cases, I mean, the case that that we just heard was a serious case, and really domestic violence, you know, right? Right. His that aspect of his life was treated in the in the uh, criminal term, but other aspects of people's lives can be humorous. You know, people dogs biting people in the groin. Yeah. You know, the guy saying, "You don't know how this affected my life, Judge." <laughs> I'm thinking, I, I kind of could guess. <laughs> right, you, know, you could guess. Okay, yeah, you could guess. Yeah, yeah. So, but you know, often I watch uh, your show, and and you know, you're 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 going off on somebody or Tanya, Michael, and they, I, I guess they know they're on TV, so they 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 they're okay with it at the time. But I have to imagine that when the cameras are off, maybe after court, at the end of the day, that some of these people are furious with you. Are they, I mean, do you ever get a any response or walking out of the court heckled or yelled at? I've or? never gotten a hate letter. Never? Never gotten a hate letter from one of them. Really? Um, in fact, I, it seems that based on the feedback that, that I'm hearing, that people, the general public, actually enjoys somebody telling the litigants, you know, hey, knock it off. Right. This is you're you're full of it. Well, the you public know, enjoys that, but do the litigants enjoy I that? I think they're so happy to have their day on TV. They don't care that they may not. <laughs> I mean, and we try not to be personally offensive. Right. You know, if right. we don't like your case, that's one thing. But right. you know, we don't want to be personally. No, offensive. No, I've never seen you do that. And, and I will say this: early on, it was Judge Judy, who of course got you guys going. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you guys, mm-hmm. right? So, and, and then now, like everybody's a judge. Like Steve Harvey is Steve Harvey really a judge? Well, Steve Harvey's a TV judge, but you see, there's nobody like Hot Bench. There's no, we are. You're a like, real you, judge. Yes, right, I am. Yes, right. A long I, time. I saw some show last week, some couple. They're not even judges. They're not even lawyers. And they sit there and they, and they, and they talk to uh, married couples who are having their issues. To me, that's making a mockery of what you guys do. Because you guys do serious stuff. We, You know what? That, that's, to me, that could be a little uncomfortable. Because right. I, do, I do like that I take what I'm doing seriously. Of course. I, there is a humorous side. And, yeah. and that's always about any job in life. Right. Um, but I do take it seriously. I take the issue seriously. And I, and, and I take the people's problems seriously. And so... And I think we all do on Hot Bench. So now you do most of your taping out in Los Angeles, right? All the taping. All the taping is there. Okay. Uh, me and Chris know her. She's great. I'm not sure who he, This is Joe Esposito. He was the former chief of police here in New York back in yeah. about 9-11. Amazing he loves guy. You. Oh, amazing. you know Joe. Yes. He He's loves amazing. you. He should be back. Oh, look at that. So he just texted he me how much he... He should be back. Yeah. So, uh, but you come back to New York, how often would you say? Uh, a year? Uh, a number of times. I, at least at least once a month. Usually oh, twice do? a month. Yeah. For, for work or for family stuff? Uh, mostly uh, family, some work. Like this trip was mostly work, believe okay. it or not. Promoting the show, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Good. And then your family lives in Brooklyn or what do you... Where's... Uh, Brooklyn, for the most part. We have some people in Queens. We have right. some people in New Jersey now. I mean, the, the people are kind of spreading, moving out. Yeah. Uh, 
away from that little, uh, you know, hub and right, nexus right. that we grew up with. Well, you people know? never left when we grew up. Like, my, my relatives yeah. stayed in the same place for 60 years. Oh, yeah. Now they'll move to Manalapan or Staten That's Island my, yeah, or my Marlboro. Right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's where my sister's family is. Uh, and they missed the hop into Staten Island, my yeah. sister's family. They, they went, went right straight, to Jersey. Right. They right. went right to Manalapan. Right. That's where they went. And so when, a- when you leave these studios today on the way out with my friend here, Gary, and uh, you walk in the streets of New York City, the people go, oh, my God, you're Patricia, hot bench Patricia. Do you get stopped I, all the time? I wouldn't say all the time. We we got it more when we were on Channel 2 because people, I think, it's just on in the gyms and right, the health right, clubs right. and they see you. But people really do stop you. But what I always found interesting about being stopped is people will say things to you that they wouldn't say to their best friend. Like one woman stopped me. She goes, you know, I wanted to tell you, I love you, but your hair the other day, I don't know what you did. And I'm like, well, yeah. Yeah. I said, I won't wear it like that again. Right. You know, That's cute, but, you know, It is very That's cute. cute. But it's just, you're not expecting I don't, I don't have that. to worry about that, by the, the way. Well, they might say, you know, I think your head was shiny the other day. <laughs> they, they have done that. You're right. They have done that. You're right. So uh, the show, again, in its eighth season, it's on 9 o'clock every morning on WLNY Channel 55. You guys have had an incredible run. You continue to have a great run. All three of you are great. And they I've are. met all three of you. You're my favorite, of course. Oh, I love that. Because you're a New Yorker and you're cute and the whole thing. Oh, I love you, too. I love you, too. And uh, keep coming back and keep enjoying success and and put the bad people away, please. <laughs> I I had that run, believe I me, know you and did. I was I was tough on crime. You're glad it's I over, definitely right? was tough. Yeah. No, I'm not. I no. miss it. You do. I miss it. People really? are so, people are so surprised by that. I say, you know I'm what? Surprised. I missed it every day. I don't know how I did it when right. I think back and reflect on it. But I miss it. I wow. really do. Wow. For some reason, it was just, I really felt as though I, I had a handle on what was happening. Well, that's a big deal. Now you, you wouldn't be able to do it anyway because the courts are pretty well, much closed. Well, that's what people are telling me You'd be sitting me on a Zoom in your apartment right now trying to keep somebody out of prison for 40 years. And not only that, with all the restrictions, I don't know how right. well I, I would right. do with that because right. I'd want to do certain things that right. I would think are right. Sure. Not, not, not harmful, but right. Right. You're adorable. I love you. Thank Patricia you. Domingo, everybody. Hot bench, 9 o'clock weekdays here in New York City. More of Bernie and Sid on this Friday morning right after these short messages. The latest news, behind-the-scenes videos. Get it all now. Like 77 WABC on Facebook. Stay entertained and informed now with Bernie and Sid in the morning. Then tonight, it's the great one. Mark Levin at 6. This is the great scandal. On 77 WABC. Sometimes when this place gets kind of empty Sound of the breath fades with the light I think about the loveless fascination Under the Milky Way tonight Church under the Milky Way at 926 on your Friday morning. That was great. Patricia Domingo. Once again, 9 o'clock every weekday, Channel 55, Hot Bench. Rudy Giuliani really knocked it out of the park. John Katsimatidis was terrific. So is Joseph Abood. It's been a really, really great show. One of the uh, ongoing themes the last couple of days for some reason, uh, one of the kids who works on the show, they're all my kids, basically. Uh, Mike and Frank and Kevin and Justin, you're all my kids. Is uh, Frankie Diaz with an E? Which is, I'm a grown man, and Frank's a grown man. You're, you're a child. Okay. You're, my, you're my kid. Right. Um, how old are you? 
26. I'm I, 55. Yeah. i got 30 years on you. Yeah. And not only that, but I've got more life experience in those 30 years than you live in 10 lives. All right. Thanks. You're, my, you're all my kids. Yeah, thanks, So, Dad. Frankie... Um, I guess he is. He's working out lately. I don't know. He's a very, he's a very good-looking kid. He's very handsome, but he's not in the best of shape. Let's be honest, okay? Um, so I guess he started to work out recently. Thanks. What? So That's he started to work out recently, and uh, this morning I took off my sport jacket and I'm wearing this very tight T-shirt. And uh, Frankie was very, kind, very. Kind. He said, "Sid, you're ripped. Wow! Did that not happen? Yes, it happened. And I said, "This could be you." But you have to work out more than like once a week or whatever. What do you do? Twice a week? Twice a week and right. then a little bit of cardio. Not nearly enough. Not even close. No. And then you're 40 eating, days what, up to 40 pounds. And he's eating like all kinds of nasty no, stuff. No, not all the time. A lot of the time. No, not even. Uh, a lot of the time. So I got to give Frankie tough love because if I'm going to get you people in shape, you too, Justin, you're not much better. I got to be honest. You were once a big time baseball player, hockey player. Now you're like old Tubby. I don't know what happened to you. I go to the gym three times a I week. I can't tell. Uh, Kevin also, he's like 275 on a good day. I mean, Mike is in decent shape. He's a, you know. You thought I was one. I did think you were 180. That's true. You're right. I was being nice to you. So the point is. What I'm was trying, that? I got, I don't know what that was. Mike, you're in the uh, best shape. No, of, I, of all, I, Luke is also fat. What that was, was I tried to bring up Mike's microphone. Yeah. Whoa, that's a weird, uh, Mike's microphone. Mike, you're in the Sorry. best shape out of the, uh, the rest of the guys here. So what you fought in, uh, what'd you fight in Iraq or something or? <laughs> no, we went to Australia, and uh, no, I'm nowhere near as good of a shape as I was. I let myself go. Well, I know, but you're still in the best shape of this crew. No, no, no. This is what happens. You fall in love, and then she makes you get fatter. That's what happens. Well, Frankie uh, is, uh, just had a failed relationship. This bitch actually took his house for three months. Ah. <laughs> so, anyway, it turns out that his mother, by the way, his mother's a hero. I'm not sucking up to her. I don't care if she hates me or not. It doesn't matter. But she's a real hero, right? Your mom's a cop, right? right yes. Sir? Yes, she is. And I believe that... Um, Retired, but yeah. Yes, but when we honored the cops that day, which we do here every year, thanks to John and Margot Katsimatidis, I believe I even said some very nice things about your mother. Yes, you did. You did. But she still hates me because... No, I, she doesn't hate you. She's just she's, she's got a, she's got a bone to pick with you, I think. What did I say about you that's got her so upset? Uh, the, the, the th I think there was the thing about you saying, oh, uh, you're not going to look like me or something like that. Well, you're not going to, ever. That's true. That's true. Something like that. He, he called, I think he called you fat. Yeah, I think you literally actually just went around well, the room. let's just find out from Sarah. Let's just, fat. let's just find, well, you're all fat. Let's just find out from Sarah, okay? Sarah, it's Frankie's mother. Hi, Sarah. How are you, sweetheart? Good morning, Sydney. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. What are you mad at me about? What happened? Listen, I got a bone to pick with you. Okay. Why are you ragging on the poor kid? Well, I'm not ragging on him. I Listen, I love your son. I'm looking out for him. He, he's too young to be that heavy. Okay. Well, how old do you said you were? I'll be 55. 55? Yeah. Okay. How long did it take you to get into that that's medium? Come on. I mean, I've been listening to the show. How long did it take? Okay, it's going to take him a little longer, but, you know, give him, cut him some slack here. He's a good kid. He's a great right? kid. Was... I love him. He's a great kid. He's talented. Hey, Sarah, between you and I, sweetheart, and I love you too, by the way, I'm making your kid a star. No one knew who he was two months ago. Let's be honest. Oh, my God. That's I mean, not true. I love your show, but come no. on. You know, what? what? You know, what? with the E with his last name. Oh, my God. You know, he's <laughs> his father. Wait a second. Whether I make fun, the fact is, did anybody know the name besides you, Sarah? He's your son. I get it. And I love him, too, okay? Did anybody know his name? Now the kid, he's like a legitimate star. No? 
I love them. I'm trying to help them. If I'm offending you, I will stop doing it. I don't like the fact that you're, you know, you keep ragging on the poor kid. He's trying. At least, you know, two days is better than no days. Not really. You know what? No, wait, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. I want you to tell me. I'm being serious. I want you to okay. tell me how I should talk to your son. I want you to say, Sydney, do me a favor. He's trying. He's a he's a very good looking kid, by the way. You must be a very pretty lady. So you tell me how you want me to talk to him and I will do it. So tell me right now what you want me to say. You know, he does have a head start on you, especially with the hair. I mean, come on. He's got a good set of, he's got a nice, uh, you know, red hair going on over there. So he is a good-looking kid. As far as food, you know, that's up to him. You can't really, you know, tell him what to eat. He's a grown man. What am I going to do? I'm not going to babysit him. And if you want to talk to him, talk to him. Talk to him like, uh, you know, not a dad, a friend, a, right. a boss. I mean, you are his boss. No, I'm not his boss. No, I'm, not, I'm nobody's boss. Trust me, not even my own kids. My wife is. So what I will do is I will change I will change my uh, the way I talk to Frankie, and I will be more supportive and more loving and phony and stop being real. What? what? Listen, it's not just him. It's the other guys, too. You just call one of them fat. He is fat. He's 275 pounds. Sarah, he's fat. He's 275 pounds. Uh, Sarah, what kind of shape are you in? I'm just curious. You're a former cop. You must be in great shape, yes? Well, I used to work out six days a week, but I uh, I got sick about a year ago, my kidneys, but uh, I just started going. No, no, it's fine. I'm I'm back into the gym. I've actually been going three times a week. I do spin. Oh, my God. working out. Wow. Yeah, I just started. You're adorable, by the way. I'm in love with Frankie's mother. I think I have a crush on Frankie's mother, I swear to God. I love it when moms call in and yell at me. Well, here's the deal. Uh, I promise you I will be more loving towards Frankie, and I will not I will not give him a hard time, okay? I, I'm going to hold you to it, though, you know, because I listen. And, you know, during the day when I'm driving downtown, I listen yeah. to you guys. Yeah. So, you so be- if so, I hear one bad so so thing so and you're ragging on the poor kid again. So I'm you don't believe call. me. You don't believe me. You think I'm, I'm like no, uh, Eric no. Adams. Well, I just say stuff. <laughs> Well, I'm going to prove you wrong. So you just keep listening every day and tell all your friends to listen every day because everything about Frankie is going to be positive, okay? All right. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, we're going to see. I'm going to hold you to it. I'm going to listen. This is like a mafia. You're like a mafia threat at this point, Sarah. No, no, I'm just a mother. That's all it is. You know, I'm looking out for my kids. That's all it is. But, you know, I take offense if you're going to call him chubby or fat or something like that or rag on the poor kid. He's trying. And okay. That's- that's what matters. He's trying. All right. So, he is trying. Know. He's trying. I swear, all kidding aside, all radio stuff aside, he's a great kid. He's got a huge heart. He's very funny. Very funny. He's a great addition to the show. He's very, very bright. He's got all of the qualities and attributes that you've got, all of them. And he's not even chubby. But he looks great. How about that? You're just trying to, you know, butter me up. Yes, I am. Yes, I, I am. I'm tired of you yelling at me, to be honest with you. <laughs> No, I'm not. I love him. I love you. And you'll see. You'll see the difference. Okay, keep listening. All right, sweetheart? I will. Have a great day. <laughs> you're, 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 that was a uh, – Sarah, I got to tell you, that was great. Thank you for calling in. You're great. Thank you. Uh, you too. Have a great – I love the show. You guys are really great. Uh, very entertaining. And, Thank uh, you. And, uh, you know, stay safe and healthy. Thank you. You too. You too, Sarah. Thank you. There she is, everybody. Sarah Diaz with an E.
Is that the clip of the day? Oh, what did you say just now? It's Salerno, Sarah Salerno. Sarah Salerno? Yeah. Oh, but she's adorable. Oh, my God, Frankie. I'm in love with your mother. Well, I mean, Sip you're about the you're, you're about the same age. She's she might be a little bit taller than you, though. Is she really? She's, oh, really? She's, well, she was five eleven. She's now five ten ish because of her neck. Well, so. you're lucky. You got yeah. your mom loves you. Well, I'm glad she grouped in the rest of us with. Yeah, she's accommodating. Because I'm just going to say that all your mothers had the same opportunity to call in and defend you, and none of them wanted to. Well, my well, mother's asleep. So, who, whose mother's asleep? Mine. Oh, Kevin, okay. And your mother called in once, but she talked about your chicks a girlfriend, not about how fat you're getting. Right. Yeah. Traffic and sports are coming up next. <laughs> Valentine. Oh. Now, it's time to beat Bernie. It's time to beat Bernie. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. You think you can beat Bernie? Good luck. It's time to beat Bernie. Alrighty, not time to beat Bernie, but beat Sid instead today. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Check them out at peerlessboilers.com and paviliontankless.com for a dealer near you. Peerless Boilers, America's best built boilers. Today on the game, we've got John in College Point. What's going on there, Johnny? Hello, good morning. Good morning. How are you on this fine Friday morning, John? Uh, very well, thank you. Yeah, looking forward to it. Are you going to ask me how I'm doing? Of course. And how are you doing? I'm uh, I'm I'm wonderful. Thank, thanks for asking, John. That's very thoughtful of you. Uh, <laughs> do, do you think you're prepared for the game today? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I'll be all right. Well, you're going to give it your best shot, no? Of course. Yeah. All righty. What do you do for a living, there, John? Uh, I'm in law enforcement. Oh, how about that? Are you cop? Yes, sir. All right. Thank you for your service. Thank you. It is much appreciated. And uh, we'll get right into the game. It's going to be a little bit more sports pop culture oriented today. Uh, so hopefully you brushed up on that kind of stuff. Are you ready for number one? Yes, sir. All righty. In 2008, the New York Mets sent four players, including Carlos Gomez, to the Minnesota Twins in exchange for what star pitcher? What team did they get it from? The Minnesota Twins. Johan Santana. Very good, John. You a Mets fan? Uh, Yankee fan, but, you know. Go Yanks. Still a New Yorker, so. Yeah. Only the real New Yorkers, though, root for the Yanks, so that's what that is. Anyways, on to number two. In what movie would you find the iconic line, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn? Gone with the wind? Very good, John. Two for two. Two for two. All right, you ready for number three? We'll try to stay perfect here. Yeah, let's go. After many years at Nassau Coliseum, where did the New York Islanders briefly play before finding their new home at UBS Arena? Uh, regrettably, the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Very good. I do agree with you, regrettably. It's a bit of an identity crisis, if you will. All right, staying perfect here, three for three. On to number four, you ready to go? Let's go. All righty. In 2019, the Arizona Cardinals moved on to quarterback Kyler Murray after trading away what player to the Miami Dolphins after only one year under center? Andy Dalton? Wrong, you two-legged back of answer. 
Josh Rosen is the correct answer. Uh, all right. Yeah, he didn't quite pan out now, did he? No, Dalt was a Bengals quarterback. Yeah, shit. All right. Exactly. All right, here we go. On to number five. Let's try and uh, close it out with a right one. Three for four so far. Doing very, very well, John. Let's keep it going. What 2022 halftime performer has the record for most words in a hit single with his song, Rap God? I'd have to see Eminem. Very good. How about that? You listen to a lot of Eminem there, John? No, but I just... None of the other guys really bother to do that sort of fast rapping. Yeah. He, micro Machines commercial guy type of rapping. Yeah, he kind of rubs it in, doesn't he? Well, <laughs> All right, John. Well, uh, you, did, you, you put forth a very good effort. And uh, we're going to get Sid back in here ASAP as soon as possible. And um, so wh- where, where, are you, uh, where are you a cop there, John, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, Queens. Oh, in Queens, very good. And how how long how long have you been a police officer? Um, March it'll be twenty two years. Wow, how about that? Very good stuff, my man. Well, we really appreciate it all you've done for us uh, to protect us and all that good stuff. We'll throw you on hold here for a few moments, and we'll see how Sid does. Perfect, thank you. All righty, what's going on there, big man? How you living? You know, I'm doing it. That's for sure. I wake up no, every morning. I picked my nose I, last night, and I uh, ended yeah. up getting a nosebleed at like three o'clock in the morning. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. What would you do about that? I bled. Uh, you just let it bleed? No, I got up and I eventually stopped the bleeding and went back to bed for thirty minutes. Right. And they got up at three thirty to come to work, but right. I don't know. I just it's uh, it was bothering me. I think I was in my sleep. I was picking my nose. So uh, yeah, it could be the residual effects of all that cocaine you did about. Shut up! Come on! Please! <laughs> Come All on, right. Sarah, now you! Are you ready to go? Yes. You have to go perfect to win the game today. He went four for five, John. He's a cop. Really? Yeah, he's a cop out in Queens. Well, then I want to lose anyway. Okay. I love cops. Yeah, but don't do it on purpose. Okay. All right, ready? Nope. Number one. In 2008, the New York Mets sent four players, including Carlos Gomez, to the Minnesota Twins in exchange for what star pitcher? Johan Santana. Yeah. He fell off the earth pretty quickly, though, didn't he? Uh, he won, like, uh, yeah, I think he had the only uh, no-hitter in Met history. He was good with the Mets. Cy Young. But then, then, he, but then he got hurt. Good. Then he got hurt yeah. a bunch. So. What are you going to do? He was fat. He, well, well, he, <laughs> he actually was, but go ahead. Well, now Johan Santana's mom is going to call in. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> That's <Right>. funny. <laughs> All right, That's number funny. two. In what movie would you find the iconic line, Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Down with the wind. Clark Gable to Vivian Lee. Okay. Did right. you know that? No. I think I might have watched that movie in some film studies class. Okay. That I, uh, you well, know. you can't watch it anymore. They took it off the shelves because of slavery and all that stuff. Right, 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 right. Okie dokie. Yeah. On to number three. After many years at Nassau Coliseum, where did the New York Islanders briefly play? Before- Brooklyn. The Barclays Center. <laughs> oh, look out. You know, it's not polite to cut people off. It's almost Shabbos. Yeah, but you knew the answer. You would have known the answer. It's almost ten Shabbos. seconds later when I finished the question. Yeah, oh, I'm okay. sorry. That's all right. Fine by me. I have to go for Botox, and I got to be home before Shabbos. Well, the show ends at ten o'clock, no matter what. Right. That's so, the point. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Number four. <laughs> <That's an> idiot. <laughs> In 2019, the Arizona Cardinals moved on to quarterback Kyler Murray after trading away what player to the Miami Dolphins after only one year under center? Josh Rosen, out of UCLA. Very Jewish. Good. Thank you very much. The uh, caller got that one wrong. Well, he's not as smart as I am. Well, 
Listen. But he's a hero, and I'm just a doofus. Exactly. You're just some goofy radio. Dopey get radio, radio guy. Right. God, Jesus right. Christ. Yeah. All right. Number five. You need this yeah. to win the game. Okay, fine. What 2022 halftime performer has the record for most words in a hit single with his song, Rap God? Is this a serious question? This is a How serious question. How would I know this? Question. I hate rap music. This is a serious question. And this guy got it right? He got it right. Dr. Dre. Wrong, you two-legged bag of anthrax. Snoop Dogg? No. Eminem. Oh, uh, I don't like Eminem anyway. I knew you weren't going to get that He's one. a, uh, I don't know. He's, you don't like him? I'm not a big fan, no. Why? I just don't like that that, that music, you know. I just. You wish you were named after a candy. It'll be kind of cool. I can't disagree. Exactly. We'll call you Skittle from now on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Johnny, a, uh, thank you for your service and your heroic work every day. More importantly, thank you so much, John. Oh, no problem, man. Listen, you guys are great in the morning. Obviously, send all our thoughts and prayers to... Uh, to your partner there, Bernie. Hope he gets well. I will send him your thoughts and prayers. He may even be listening right now from his bed at the hospital. Thank you so much for listening. You played a good game today, buddy, and we'll do it again sometime. Okay, pal? Stand for it. Thank you. Stay safe out there, John. Thank you so much. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. We will come back and wrap up what's been a great week on Bernie and Sid right after these short messages. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. We're about to wrap things up. Google Dials, better days. How about I had to tell Rudy Giuliani? I go, you know, Eric Adams said your taxes were racist. He's like, he said that about me? (laughs) He didn't even know. So, um, Eric, uh, one more reason to be pissed at me. Because I guess he said that, and for some reason, it didn't get back to Rudy. Oh, now it did. Oh, no. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. Called you a racist. He did? I'm afraid he did. Yeah, but I mean, Rudy was probably better off not knowing that. I know. Well, I can't take it back now. It's kind of too late. What am I supposed to do? There's nothing you can do. Yeah, it's like you brought out something in front of the jury, and you say, well, strike that, but it's too late. They already heard it. You know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, but it's it's over now. All right. Whatever. What a great show today, huh? My God. I knocked it out of the park, didn't you? Yeah, I guess I did. did That's not. what makes you great. Yeah. Well, the guests were great. 
They were. Tatsimatidis was, uh, he's always great. And uh, Abood was great. He's just the best. And who else was? And Rudy was phenomenal. Phenomenal. And Patricia Domingo was outstanding. It, I, it blew my mind. And then uh, Frankie's mother was great. Oh, my God. She got to calm down, though. She's a little too, uh, she got to just calm down a little bit, don't you? Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah. if somebody uh, called uh, Gaby fat yeah. and stupid. I only wish to God Howard Stern or somebody would call my son something. I don't care. Oh, like, right. down deep, Sarah called in as if she was upset because she's defending her son. But she loves the fact that I'm just talking about the kid. Yeah, I guess so. Of course she does. And for the most part, I say very nice things about him. But and all you guys, you're all great. Frankie was great. Deb was great. Mike Garcia, you. uh, Justin, you're you're so I, I, I have no words. You're really, bro, you're great. You're, you're speechless. Uh, I am. How about that? Kevin was great, and uh, Luke Legrano, a very funny video from Florida. <laughs> yeah, that, that was really that, good that stuff. Was funny, yeah. We uh, we'll be back on Monday. Bernie will be back with me. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. I think the Rams will win, but who knows? Till Monday at six. From all of us to all of you, with the Google Dolls and better days.